This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. Join your hosts as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things kings of war. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Jason Brett. This is Michael Sigler. And I'm Rob Fanoff, and as you heard, we are back again uh, with a couple new guests, and we are going to do the long-anticipated, long-awaited Kingdoms of Men Army review. And Jason, I, I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to your handler, Nathan, because I was like, Nathan, I'm trying to get a hold of Jason. And Nathan's like, No problem, I'm going to take care of it for you, because you, you must not be a active Facebook user. I'm not on there all the time, and um, because of work stuff, I, I usually keep all my social media pretty locked down and private. I'm the same way. Like basically, my Facebook account is just like nerd stuff. That's it. Like I don't have <laughs> any personal stuff on there. So. Oh yeah, yeah, pretty much the same here. Well, let's start with here. Let's obviously this is your first time on. Well, maybe not. You you probably have been on at one point or another. Maybe at an event or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was TNT. Actually, that was my first GT. I think I popped on for a minute, and then uh, Masters when it was in um, Dallas Fort Worth a few years ago. That's right. Well, let's give the Countercharge audience an introduction to Jason Britt. Well, I'll, I'll make it short. <laughs> so, um, I actually started gaming back when I was uh, thirteen. Uh, at the in Birmingham, Alabama, there is this giant store called Lion Unicorn. Sold more GW product than uh, <laughs> quite literally any other independent retailer. And that's actually where I met um, Jeff uh, Jeff O'Neill, um, Sean Williams, and then later on, once um, we moved to another store, uh, Nathan Clevenger. But yeah, I've known Jeff and Sean since I was tiny. <laughs> hence, hence the the little little Sean. Uh, but yeah, uh, played 40k for years like everybody else did. Uh, played a little bit of fantasy, not so much, and then. Uh, about like sixth, seventh edition, started getting into other gaming systems. So like Bolt Action, Dust Tactics, uh, Flames of War, just tried them all out. Uh, just didn't like the direction 40k was heading. Uh, and then uh, we tried out Kings of War, and um, it stuck. So uh, that's that's how I got to uh, I guess starting in with Kings of War. And then uh, once I got out of uh, grad school, um, started going around and traveling with Sean and Nate and uh, Jeff to to some of the Southeast tournaments. You were in Birmingham, and now you've relocated to North Carolina. Is that right? Yes, yes. Uh, I was in Birmingham, Alabama for years and years and years. Uh, and then back in 2020, uh, literally one month before the COVID lockdown hit, moved up to a new city. Uh, so moved, moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh my. And we should mention, obviously, we're talking about the Sons of Vulcan. So that's Nathan Clevenger mm. and Jeff O'Neill yes. and Jason Britt and Sean Williams, even though Sean Williams is a bit of has been at this point. Oh, <laughs> does he even play Kings of War anymore? He, he does. He does. He was playing at the Forge. Okay. Uh, so he showed up there with Countess Halfling uh, rock people. Oh, of course, uh, which, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan brought those to Kings of Memphis last year, so they must be like a, a club army now. A, a little bit, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, although um, we will share units uh, when I was in Birmingham. If, if you needed a unit, you could just ask, and somebody's got it. So I, I was never short on allies, especially if though you wanted a shooting unit. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. Um, Jeff has more goblin or um, orcs in his garage. Uh, then, then you could shake a stick at. So, in any type of orc unit, even though he's famous for playing the goblins, he's he's pretty much got it. That and oh, I guess salamanders, uh, since he's got so many lizardmen too. I think when I met him the first time or early on, he was playing like an all mounted orc army, <laughs> like <laughs> smash you in the face kind of thing. So, yeah, he just last few years he's been known as the Goblin King, but right, <laughs> he's very versatile. 
it, it, uh, he started playing orcs uh, and then uh, got shot off the table one too many times in the southeast. Uh, specifically, probably Keith did it. I think he specifically has called Keith out for that. And now the rest of us are lamenting. <laughs> so obviously, you played in a bunch of events, mostly in the southeast. How is the scene in North Carolina? It was the black hole of gaming, uh, as far as Kings of War is concerned, pretty much. Um, there are a few players um, that are in the South Carolina area where we'll drive up that way. Um, so like Larry uh, and Drew, uh, it's Drew Gaddy and uh, Larry Essick. Um, and then the next kind of area where uh, there are Kings of War players is uh, really starting to get towards the D.C. area. So I, I think it was, is it Vicksburg where, um, oh, I can't think now, Vanguard is. Oh, the Vanguard GT in Virginia, yeah. Like the, the aristocrats, like... Uh... Michael uh, Atkins and yes. Alex Chavez and Mike Austin. Yeah. Great players up there. You oh yeah. Play. Yeah. It, it's just a little bit of a drive. Um, that's about four and a half, five hours from Charlotte. Mm -hmm. So it, it was, there's, there's no one days. There's no really two days around this area. Um, so I moved here um, and they just kind of started reaching out and trying to find a few people and found Rufus Hambright, uh, who is up on um, the north part of North Carolina. So Raleigh, Durham area, that way, Greensboro, and then found a couple of people that were willing to try it out here in Charlotte. Um, so picked up two pretty steady people here that game. And then there are a few kind of people that will float in and out here and there. And then Rufus found a few people up towards, um, you know, Greensboro, Raleigh, Durham area that 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 way. So we've got about like maybe six people. Yeah. Uh, that are pretty consistent, three, including myself, that would travel, um, that are hopefully going to be at uh, Siege. So, And you guys have a Facebook page, right, for Carolinas? Yes, uh, there is a Carolinas Kings of War Facebook page, uh, as well as the, the Mid-Atlantic. Um, a lot of the posts get, get crossed over, so uh, get, get put up in duplicate. But uh, yes, the, the one for uh, Kings of War Carolinas is a little bit more niche. Give us elevator pitch for who is Michael Sigler. I am uh, one of the youngest players uh, in Kings of War, at least uh, like one of the youngest regular tournament players, I suppose. Uh, I run my own events here in Kansas City, uh, though Josh Lanfoon is our uh, technically our Pathfinder. Uh, I run the uh, KCGT. Uh, I'm a two-time Masters player and looking to be a third time this year. Uh, and I have had a decent amount of small success with Kingdoms of Men in that pursuit so well let's jump in uh hobby you got you got any hobby going at the moment trying to <laughs> i've uh had some elves that i've been using for years and years um picked up some forces in nature played with that um my, then of course my kingdoms of men uh fleshed that out but right now i was looking at painting up either some old bretonians uh but i wanted to kind of take a break from the fantasy side so went to um firefight and got a uh, forge fathers starter set how, how are you like a firefight I haven't gotten enough games under my belt to really have a, a well-developed opinion about it, but my initial impressions, uh, it's excellent. It, it has little pieces from every system that I've really liked, like the alternating activations, um, the simplicity of Kings of War, uh, mission-oriented objectives where it's not just kill most of the time. Uh, so it, it's it's been great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, like you, I have actually not played a game of Firefight yet. I've seen a lot of them played, and I'm in the process of building a GCPS army. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah, but it, reading the rule book, it's, it seems like they've taken a lot of the great rules from, they've cherry-picked the best of the best yes. from a lot of different games, you know. And, uh, like, I feel there's some Legion in there and, you know, other <laughs> games that I, that I also play. It really reminded me of bolt action with alternating activations, which which I really loved the first time I tried that. And I've actually gotten about a half dozen games under my belt. I just don't have enough experience with all the factions and everything else to 
to really have a good grip on the game of like, what's the meta or, well, maybe not meta, but you know, how, how do you not lose every time? <laughs> I guess would be the better way. So it's, it's, it's been great though. Well, I'm assuming with your guys, you know, your sons of Vulcan background with 40 K you guys will pick it up pretty quick. Uh, yes, uh, prob- probably so. Although um, it hasn't caught on back in Birmingham, from what I've heard, so it's 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 more of a, I guess, a, a thing in uh, North Carolina, <laughs> more so than Alabama. And what do you have on your hobby table, Michael? Right now, uh, because uh, Mantic decided to not nerf Air Elementals, I am painting up Sylvan Ken Degeneracy. <laughs> Fair enough, because it's 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 what the meta is. So you got to play to the meta sometimes. Well, for me, I'm working on Salamanders. I, I'm trying to paint a 2300 point army for Adepticon. And at this point, I've gotten two units done. I've gotten two units of, or two hordes of tyrants. And I'm almost done with a couple Lycodons. So, oh, nice. Okay. Or actually, I guess they're called Lycilodons. Uh, yeah, Lycilodons, Lycodons, you know. Uh, Basilia, Basilian. Exactly. No one slaughters <laughs> the English language or the, the made up English language like, right, like right. me. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully, you know, I don't know. Next will probably be some Rhinosaur cavalry. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm just painting stuff that I like. Yeah. Man, those models look excellent. And Scorch Wings. You got to, I mean, come on. You got to have Scorch Wings, right? Just before I picked up uh, the Forge Fathers, um, I finished off my third uh, horde of Scorch Wings to add to my Forces of Nature. (laughs) We'll throw it to a quick commercial break. And on the other side, we'll get into the main topic, the Kingdoms of Men Army Review. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Alessio Cavatore, and you're listening to Counter Charge. Welcome back to Counter Charge. And now it's time for the main topic, the Kingdoms of Men Army Review. And as we do normally, we start with background. Jason, and I know you're a tactile genius on the table, but are you also <laughs> a, a fluff master? Do you do you like to play with, you know, are you interested in the background stories? Somewhat on the background and stories, a lot more on the modeling uh, and the painting. I'm probably a better modeler than I am a painter. Uh, I, I've gotten uh, a good bit better over the 20, oh no, oh yeah, it's it's been 27 years. Wow. And learning a lot from uh, Sean. Sean is just, he, he's an excellent painter. Uh, so I, I picked up a decent amount, um, more so on that side and then the gaming side, uh, a little bit less on the fluff. From some of these questions, it makes sense that you would be playing Kingdoms of Men since a lot of people don't think there's any fluff there. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do have to say they started trying to flesh it out a little bit more with third edition. So that that was nice instead of just being kind of generic. Well, let's jump in. And first question from Chris Thomas, how could Kingdoms of Men continue to be in the game given the direction Mantic are pushing things? This is an interesting question because if someone's not familiar with the background, you know, they may not necessarily know. If you look at a map of Panathor, one third of that <laughs> is Kingdoms of Men territory. Like it's a mm-hmm. huge thing, right? And then I think the other misnomer here is that Kingdoms of Men is not like a fiefdom or a single a singular city or army. Right. It is many, 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 many armies. It, it's like um, medieval Europe with all the little Italian city states all trying to vie for power, and uh, you know, little breakaway kingdoms here, and uh, uh, I guess uh, alliances switching around all the time and everything. Yeah, so definitely reminds me of that in the fluff. Back to his question, though, I think what he's trying to allude is that you know, with, with Manchik trying to push into more IP centric, IP protected armies, how does Kingdoms of Men fit in there? From that standpoint. You know, I think if there was consolidation, I think you would see themeless being rolled back into the master list, which in this specific example would be Roria being being rolled into Kingdoms of Men. And I also think it's a big consideration that Kingdoms of Men is the one list that historical players use to leverage their historical armies. Very true. Yeah, there's a lot of flexibility to take anything from like biblical ancients (laughs) um, all the way up to uh, like medieval miniatures and kind of find a unit entry that fits them. Yeah, definitely. And along the same track, we've got a question from Garrett uh, who asks, why play Kingdom as a Men when there are at least three other human armies in the game that actually have lore and flavor? 
You know, when we're talking about kingdoms of men, we're really talking about the successor kingdoms. <clears throat> That's an umbrella of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kingdoms. Right. It's hundreds of nations. So it's sort of apples and oranges <laughs> when you make the comparison yeah. of kingdoms of men to Basilea. And the other thing I, I, I think is it allows you a lot more flexibility because you can pick and say, hey, I, I want a, something that's more like English, you know, War of the Roses style with some fantasy elements. Or, you know what, I, I like the Romans a little bit better. Let's let's go with that aesthetic and pick my successor kingdom that I've created. I think it actually just opens the field up <laughs> a lot more for whatever you want. I think it's interesting because if you're looking for to only use armies that have prescriptive lore, like lore that's developed within the game, Kingdoms of Men is probably not for you. They're, they're not going to tell you how to make your army, to your point, right? Right. I love the fact that it's a huge sandbox and you could make your own lore, right? I I, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they wanted to flush the, you know, I think they can flush out the lore a little bit more by maybe focusing on some of the specific, you know, we talked about like the city-states, right? But mm-hmm. the, a few of the specific areas like Valentica and Geniza, which I'm sure I'm slaughtering the pronunciations, but since I don't have an official pronunciation guide, that's what I'm going with. But if you pick some of those more important fiefdoms, I think you, you could you could elaborate and tell more of the full story. And if they wanted to go to the extreme, they could always do different uh, theme lists off of that. Of, 100%. Hey, here, here's the base. And then just like Rorodia, I, 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 I kind of feel like Rorodia was almost... Um, kind of created as a themeless from the get-go because it just shares so many unit entries and just kind of narrows that sandbox down to a, a more select few unit entries you can choose from. But to his question of why play King as a man, you know, I, you want to play with the true descendants of Primo Vantor, right? Right, right. I got to ask the question, is Basiland actually a human army if they have to rely on the angels to come down and help them all the time? Right, right. Uh, it, it's definitely got the more religious flavor to it of, you know, um, I, I guess... Maybe not the Spanish Inquisition, but uh, some, something approaching that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. And I guess it's important to maybe take a moment, to, you know, because this is the first, this is obviously the first time we've done this army, but, you know, man has an interesting uh, position in, in Panathor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously they're the most numerous people of the nobles. You know, in my mind, they are really the true neutral army. You know, they're unpredictable. They can be good mm-hmm. or evil. You know, I think they have very we'll call it ambivalent relationships with other races you know and mm-hmm. half the time they're fighting themselves right <laughs> chucking for power and position yeah yeah and then you know uh it all started with the grand republic of primo vantor that was weakened by the god's war and destroyed by winter's war mm-hmm. there's a lot of examples of men in the uh the various armies you know you've got successor kingdoms like kingdoms of men mm-hmm. uh you got the basile and you got the young kingdoms which which, which would include rodia ophidia the northern tribe so there's lots of armies there and don't even forget Beringer too. Exactly, another good, another good example. Yeah, because the northern tribes would be like the Nordic. The Nord- yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So Dave Fanning has a question for us, and it's pretty on the nose. Why play Kingdoms of Men over League of Rodia? Michael, you want to take that one? I think Kingdoms of Men actually has a lot of unique options over specifically Rodia that I actually find it to be a lot of interesting. The list kind of play and can play differently. Like, yeah, there's a lot of overlap. But Kingdoms of Men is more of a, like, Rodia, you have the option of um, uh, Honor Guard. And Kingdoms of Men, you don't really have a true hammer like that. Beast Cavalry can kind of play a little bit of a substitute like that. But it's it's kind of interesting to play that different dichotomy. Like, I, I think Rodia is more of an elite list while I play Kingdoms of Men more in a uh, multiple units kind of way. And Jason, same question over to you. I would say it, it's a different flavor if you choose, like uh, you were saying, to, to make it so. The Kingdoms of Men have a much wider variety of unit selection, whereas Rorodia really narrows in on some specific units, which limits what you can do a little bit more. And 
yeah, the, the, the Roydia units that you get that are the kind of standouts or, you know, the better version of the Beast Cav. But uh, in turn, it limits you with your range choices down to halflings that don't unlock, uh, as well as which artillery you can take. And uh, the big infantry blocks you can take. You, you have to take the pikemen or uh, one of the three legendary versions, whereas Kingdoms of Men has a, a much wider variety of infantry, cav, uh, and artillery and shooting options, as well as heroes. Yeah, for me, I... I... You know, Rordia when they came when, when they came into existence, it was sort of like a cheeky poke at, at GW, and you know, <laughs> it's developed a little bit over the years, but it's still kind of like, eh, I'm not a big fan of joke armies. And in and, and to me, the most interesting parts of Rordia are the halflings, and since they're leaving, right? It feels like mm. in the lore as it's being developed, you know, they're uh, kind of leaving Rordia. I think you're exactly right, though, Jason. I think Kingdom's Men has more interesting uh, variety in the lists, and it, it opens up variety of builds. It's a toolkit. It's a toolkit army. 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into the next question. Sterling Nets' Law. Between Kingdoms of Men and League of Rordia, which do you think will survive to 4th edition? You, you want to take that one, Michael? Yeah, I, I think I think both will probably survive. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I, I don't know what 4th edition will hold. Um, I've heard like people talk about um, like having theme lists be a little bit more like granular i guess where it's just like like uh kingdoms of men has a few rordia options that if you take you're slotted into rordia but otherwise there's like a master's list kind of like historicals did i guess um i i think they'll both survive like kingdoms of men's kind of essential to the game i think yeah jason same question uh i i would agree it it's it just gives too many people an easy entry into the hobby so aside from like the lore aspects of it um it's a great recruitment tool. If anybody's played any kind of tabletop gaming ever, they probably have some kind of humanish faction um, that could easily slot into uh, different unit entries. So j- just from a, a a tool to get people into the game, I think Kingdoms of Men is going to stay there. Uh, and then, you know, of course, they've kind of given their own twist. Um, uh, Mantic has uh, for League of Rordia, so that that's kind of their their version of it that they can supply models specific to those new unit entries for. Um, so yes, I, I think both for the, those reasons would, would end up lasting. I also think that Mantic has not shown a propensity to consolidate, right? Even though, even though we've, we've bantered around the idea, they have not consolidated yet. So the, and the fact that the halflings are kind of being pulled out of Roria, I think at this point they just both survive. You could have like a Jarvis option where if you take a special like Duke hero or whatever, you get the Rorian something like that. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not on the. I'm not on the. I'm. I'm not designing the game. I'm just playing it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I will say there's no way that Kingdoms of Men goes away and Rotary stays because you can't have the young kingdoms be absorbed into. The, you know, you can't have the successor kingdoms be absorbed into the young kingdoms. That wouldn't make any yeah. sense from a and, world. And, and on a meta level, Mantic has a great relationship with Warlord Games, who produces a lot of historical stuff. And like right. Kingdoms of Men is in Armada, which uses the like mana. Absolutely, yeah. that's a good point. I think even like even if they wanted to like put like Warlord ranges up on their website, like Warlord has semantic stuff on their website. So 100%. Well, Mark Temple asks, I have a twofold question. Given the wide range of potential human kingdoms in the lore, do you have any tips for people looking to create themed armies around a kingdom? What do you guys got? You guys got any good tips for that? Well, I, I could tell you kind of how I, I developed my kingdoms of men. So it wasn't so much lore based. It was more, I saw the cool model and wanted more. <laughs> so if it's not so much lore based, um, just the, the ability to find models you like and build that list that you want that looks that way, you can't beat it. <laughs> so you can kind of slot anything you need into 
uh, a find a unit entry that represents it in Kingdoms of Men. So a little less lore-based, more model-centric. But you know, as we talked about before, the lore is just so wide open. You can basically create the lore around the models you like, and there you go. I agree with everything Jason just said. King Kings Kings of War is so freaking flexible. It's great. You can just you know you can have like I've seen a, such a variety of awesome Kingdoms of Men armies out there like Rob's like half men army. It's just like, you can do, you could do a ton with it. Like. From that standpoint, kingdoms of men might be the best army to come up with an original theme because there's no rules, right? Like we talked about, it's hundreds of kingdoms, hundreds of nations. The sky's the limit. Um, yeah. And so and I'm, and I, and I guess I will drop in my little background for army of Fordorn here. This is my background story for my army of Fordorn, affectionately known as the kingdom of half men. Nestled within the northern foothills of the Dragon Teeth Mountains, and accessible by a few treacherous paths known only to the most skilled rangers and mountain goats, lies the unassuming halfling settlement of Fordern. Founded as a provisional mining camp near several rich mineral deposits, the settlement makes heavy use of the nearby passage of Cataclysm to move the ingots of their labor to the heart of the successor kingdoms to whom they've pledged their fealty. Given their close proximity to the fertile lands of Roria and several northern dwarven strongholds, Fordern has become a prominent trading outpost among halflings, men, and free dwarves. More recently, with the completion of the Great Wall along the edge of the Dragon Teeth Mountains, Fordern has essentially become cut off from many of the southern men they once called brothers. Fordern now finds themselves as the solitary steward of the passage of Cataclysm and maintains a vigilant garrison to safeguard this increasingly biting trading route. Equipped by the profits of trading and hardened by the harsh realities of mountain life, Fordern is prepared for the great reckoning at hand. All right, so the next part of Mark Temple's question is, most of the kingdoms of men and KOW mostly derive from the old Grand Republic of Primovantor in one way or another. How do you personally imagine the Republic of Primovantor before its fall, looking in terms of historical army inspirations equipment? For me, the Grand Republic, I, I think it's the Holy Roman Empire, right? And oh, yeah. the descendant, you know, the successor kingdoms, that's basically Western Europe, if you look at the map. So I kind of see Kingdoms of Men as Middle Ages, Lanchnecks, you know, Great Swords, Pike. I don't know. How do you guys see them? I mean, obviously, they can be interpreted in different ways, but, you know, what are your guys' thoughts to uh, Mark's question? You got the classic like Roman Empire analog with the fallen kingdom that permeates a lot of fantasy media from like talking onwards with this, you know, the great fallen empire from that. So I could see it being a Roman Empire analog, which is kind of pretty simple. Yeah, that that would definitely fit. And, and I, I kind of see what Manic's done with Mantica. <laughs> um, or, or is it Panathor? Panathor's yeah, the world. Panathor now. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, it, 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 they're doing kind of what uh, GW did uh, with the old world, where it's like a somewhat analog to, you know, Western and Eastern Europe. So in, in that sense, what really kind of fits there for, for me theme-wise is like Charlemagne. And uh, then all the successor kingdoms are like when he split up and said, well, look, look, there's too much power and too much land under one king. So we're going to, we're going to parse this out a bit. Uh, and, and that kind of, you know, is a different way instead of a, a great flood splitting all that up of uh, how all these smaller kingdoms started popping up. All right. So next up, let's tackle. Why do you guys play this army? Jason, why don't you start? Um, well, it was twofold. The first piece of it was uh, I was looking for a new army project. Sean Williams had turned me on to Fireforge 
and they had just come out with their kingdoms or was it men of the north or kingdoms of the north uh, in their fantasy line. So I, I took a look at those, and they just look spot on for exactly that kind of time period uh, that I, that kind of fit with me. Uh, so a little bit of like you know medieval Europe, Charlemagne um, kind of era of things. Um, and then the other side was the competitive side. So I wanted something that I could try to at least win against Jeff O'Neill against uh, with with all of the shooting goblins. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> uh, that that was my motivation for putting together my Kingdoms of Men list is cool models and uh, trying to put together uh, a very competitive list. Michael, same question. I've actually thought about this answer a lot because I think that um, like to kind of maybe skip forward a little bit. Kyle Poole asked, "Why is our favorite flair flavor vanilla?" Right. And I think that in fantasy stories, like humans have a very important role to play. It's why they're in almost every like fantasy world where it's kind of like we're the touchstones, like everyone playing this game, unless somebody's taught their dog to play is a human. So that's like the <laughs> that's the touchstone we have to compare ourselves and like put ourselves in that fantasy of the like of the world. Right. Like it's a. You know, I'm playing the game to kind of, you know, this, there's a strategy element of it, but like to get immersed in it, right? I like the idea and the fantasy of just like a normal dude, you hand him a sharpened stick and he's fighting against trolls and crazy demons and all that stuff. And that that fantasy and winning. And I, I like that fantasy. And I think that fantasy is important that like kind of overcoming the odds, the nature of our uh, affordable infantry and the list design of Kingdoms of Men kind of helped generate that fantasy because we don't have anybody who's just like, super awesome and overwhelmingly powerful those like really powerful hammers we kind of have to weather that and deal with it with us just our normal guys so that's kind of part of the reason i was drawn to the army and there's a ton of cool historical models out there and it's just it's fun to paint dudes every once in a while well for me you hit on a lot of that there i mean the first one is the shield wall is the generic unit it's 100 points like everything mm -hmm. else is costed around based you know based on its comparison to that but you for know better or worse yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> exactly but you know i, I i've looked growing up you know over the years i've seen lots of great movies you know kingdoms of heaven and where they got these giant massive infantry armies it's just awesome right it just ca called to me and that's that's why i like vanilla i guess you know, Brenton Williams has a comment. It's more of a comment than a question. All Kingdoms of Men players at some level have chosen a slightly worse army. They settle. It might be for theme because they're frustrated historical players, masochist tendencies, whatever. Use this to your advantage. There's some nugget of truth in there, Michael. Yeah, I agree. I, I've seen the way Jason plays his lists. <laughs> Jason's a little bit different, right? We're going to talk. Jason's, J Jason's theme is winning, okay? <laughs> with cool models but winning nonetheless i respect it i saw his master's list a couple years ago and i was like okay that's how you play kingdoms of men D dustin howard saw it too yeah exactly oh yeah he did. And, and his ice elementals <laughs> i i agree with that i i think that i think that the i think that the comparison for playing kingdoms of men on is uh playing kings of war on hard mode does still kind of exist it does it does well and i tell you i don't know about you guys um i am or have been struggling mightily with a balanced army against the forces of nature with the three greater air elementals. Basically, the yeah. only the only thing I think that, you know, uh, bring more artillery and just try to shoot them because <laughs> I mean they they've got the re you know with the formation they get the regen and they've got the heels and everything. It's just like oh my god, having trouble with that. It's not unique to our army it, though. Exactly. Well, I was going to say the I disagree somewhat with Britain's statement about being masochist in the sense of not winning. Uh, you can definitely put something together that's that's good. You, 
you're a little bit maybe more restricted on some of your choices and you have to go down certain build paths, but it, it's, I think it's there. What I have found though, is you're not quite as cheap as like goblins and ratkin. So you can't throw your units kind of into the fire like that and, and still have more to just push out there. So you're not quite trash meta, but on the other end, you're not the super elite, like super hammer units. Um, like even League of Rodia has uh, with uh, the Beast Cav, or they're, they're better Beast Cav, or the Elves. So it, it's this weird in-between that you kind of have to play where you have to be somewhat sacrificial, but not as you know sacrificial as some of the trash lists. Uh, and you have to have some decent, harder-hitting units that can really put out some damage, but you just don't quite have those super hammer units available to you for the most part. It's, it's this weird in-between. Yeah, we're like we're like we're like recycling. We're like we're not quite at the dumpster. <laughs> we're right there. Yeah, no. I like the fact that you could be the uh, the spoiler army, right? You could show up with all the <laughs> in stair phalanx, right, and be like, "Go ahead, bring all those flyers, bring all the cavalry." I got, I got you, bro. You know, you want to see somebody cry? The the you know the dwarf Brock Rider army shows up, and they're like, "Oh, shit, I'm hitting on sixes." <laughs> right it's like oh yeah baby this is not gonna work so no well. it's not yeah. gonna work and, you, and we have the tools to get stuff in position because we are obviously mounted stuff and flyers notwithstanding but the normal mm-hmm. infantry doesn't move that fast so mm-hmm. getting some of that stuff moved around and you you know with the captain and there's some stuff there yeah i think kingdoms of men also helps you learn to be a better player because you don't have a lot of those easy tools like when i i've been abyss has been kind of my tournament army for a while after king after playing kingdoms of men for two years and I feel like the lessons I learned playing Kings of Men has really helped my play in general. 100%. I was playing Ogres for a long time, as you know, Michael. Yep. And it wasn't easy mode, but it was like, push it forward and smash face, right? That's what you do. Um, you can't do that with Kings of Men. Because you do that, you're going to lose. You're going to lose hard. Kings of Men, may, at least for me, makes me think about things a lot hard. Like, okay, what do I need to do here? I have to plan, <laughs> right? I don't have a get out of jail free in defense six. I would say um, it, it's kind of the a lot of different entries out there and other factions have that hammer unit that can hit and reliably break like a defense four even. <laughs> we'll, we'll lower the bar from defense five to defense four, you know, 14, 16, 15, 17. But any real unit except for maybe the um, Fanatics hordes just in Kings of Men don't have that. It's a one and. You have to have like the Knights and. You have to have that infantry horde and. Uh, and setting those ands up is just a lot, lot harder to get two units in, even if one of those units is on a 50 mil base, just because of the way Kings of War works. Um, so it, it really teaches you, you need the one and set up on pretty much everything anytime you want to advance. Absolutely. We're going to get into some of this in a minute, into the units. And I think there's a lot of trap units in this army too. Like on paper, you're like, oh, this is awesome. And then when you try it, like... Yeah, they didn't work so well. So, oh, yeah. you know, there's a lot of that stuff. So we got Mike Rossi's asking, what when choosing a historical set of minis to represent kingdoms of men, I've mostly seen parry miniatures from English Civil War or Romans. That being said, what other options are available mini-wise? I know you guys have both used different ranges, right? Mm-hmm. I, I guess so. I, I used uh, Fireforge's uh, Men of the North, which isn't historical, but it's it's very historical. It's kind of cool, though, because it's kind of a crossover, right? It's a fantasy, but it's got it's got... It has a foot in reality. Mm-hmm, definitely. It, it, it's, I think it's like that maybe early medieval to mid medieval kind of like the 1200s, 1300s, like maybe English and then transplant some longbows in there. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what the, the fire forge line uh, makes me feel like when I, when I look at them. How about you, Michael? 
I used a lot of ranges. Um, Rossi mentioned um, Perry. I love Perry. We've got Perry mixed in. Warlord's got a great um, Landishkinet line. I- I've got a problem when it comes with human minis, where I just like every few months, I'm just like I should start a new human army. <laughs> so I've got I've got Fireforge. I've got old GW Empire stuff. I've got my Green Lady stuff, which is a mix of Fireforge and like old Bretonians and stuff like that. So I I got a I got a bunch. There is so many good options out there mm-hmm. for so many time periods. It all works. Like well, I, and, I was in the 3D printing is just like open the floodgates on all that too yeah a hundred percent yeah like like i was thinking about starting uh starting over just painting an entire new roman army with some roman lines because i saw some being sold near me so i was like and mike rossi's second part of his question is you know given the huge number of alternatives out there do you think mantic is missing an opportunity by not making minis for king's event absolutely not (laughs) that's the last thing they need to do right because there are so many ranges out there focus on the more ip driven stuff the more stuff that's you know, unique to Panathor. Don't mess with Kingdoms of Men. There's, you know, and they've said they've said such. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. with that. hundred percent. If if they would create maybe IP specific unit entries in the list or for theme list, I could definitely see that working. But yeah, there's as far as like the generic unit entries, there's there's too much stuff out there. Yeah. I think that there is I think that there was for a time a like glut in the market of or like there was a the opposite of a glut. There was like nothing there was nothing out there for like Bretonian style models that if they really wanted to ape on like GW's IP, then they could have printed those a few years ago. But I think that windows passed because there's a lot of options for those players. And I don't, I don't think it's necessary. Like I said earlier, like you could t- like Mantic and Warlord have a very close working relationship. I could see them like sending links to Warlords and a Kingdoms of Men tab on their website. Well, funny enough, in the historical book from second edition, that's <laughs> they used the Perry miniatures uh, to to take pictures of and put in the book. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and Aramis Berger asks a question that's a link to that. How well does the Kingdoms of Men list do at the supposed goal of letting people use their historical minis for Kings of War? It does it great, but the historical miniatures don't have griffins. <laughs> they don't have Pegasus, <laughs> right? So there are there are things, and so I think when we get to the actual talking about builds. You're going to have to supplement it, right? I used, while the base of my army is the Fireforge uh, Men of the North, uh, I have used Reapers for my Griffins, uh, for my Generals on Winged Beast. Um, I used um, some Deep Cut miniatures for D&D for my Wizards, and then Scratch built some mounts for them. Um, All kinds of stuff like that. I even used uh, Manix um, um, models for the cannons and uh, the Siege Artillery and stuff like that. So the, the core is men in the north but there's a lot of stuff kind of thrown in but once you have that historical base um creating some artillery or some heroes that you know that's like a, a weekend or a week and there you you're gut yeah if they wanted to do anything like making a wizard mounted on a pegasus because those models unless you're doing kit bashing those are hard to find for, for whatever reason yeah I, I i can't imagine like there's so many um from gw's side of things and everything else peg stuff on pegasus or stuff on flying mounts, but yeah, they, they are relatively hard to find. All the GW ones are out of print now, so I had to use an old Balthazar Gelt model. Ooh. Oh, that must have been a pretty penny unless you already had it on hand. No, it was only like 20 bucks. It was cheap. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it, it was a little banged up. Yeah, I know for me, I don't actually use any historical models. I have halflings. So, like, but to your point, like, they make halfling. you know, the range has halflings that are, you know, all the different units that you would expect to make a griffin or a pegasus or the monarch right like you know there's a lot i had i guess from that end kingdoms of men can be a very fun army from a modeling and hobby perspective because it allows you to 
really get your creative juices flowing. And if they wanted to produce models for like the Monarch or Wizard on Pegasus or something like that, I'm sure they could do decent on that. Like, I, I would love to see what they would come up for with like a multi-part like Monarch kit where you can build it with different options. That'd be really cool to see. Well, and they've pretty much done that with their dragon because it's a head swap to go from the elf dragon to the abyssal dwarf. I forget the name of the entry, but it's like a manta core ish or whatever. Yeah, thing. abyssal half breed or something like that. Yeah, the the, the great half breed thing with the caster on it. So yeah, I, I, no reason they couldn't do that and then just do some head swaps uh, and it fill multiple unit entries. All right, well, we're going to take a quick commercial break on the other side. We're going to get into the meat of this army review. We're going to talk about units. We'll be right back. I'm Ronnie from Mantic Games, and you're listening to Counter Charge. Welcome back to Counter Charge. And now, guys, it's time to actually talk unit breakdowns. Uh, and let's start with the special rules. You know, uh, nothing's more contentious than Indomitable Will. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Davis asks, why of all armies is the Kingdoms of Men special rule one so overly good? Ten points, no order of operations on it. Just use it whenever you please. Become unwavered and self-inspired for a turn. Explain to me how such an insanely powerful item is only 10 points, not 50. Well, actually, there is an order of operation. If you want to use it for inspiring, you got to use it on the previous turn. And I don't know about you guys, but I have screwed that up many a time with my flying assassin to forget to pop the inspiring. Then he gets charged in the subsequent turn by the uh, the opponent and he takes it off because I didn't. I did not pop it. Obviously, the, the wavering thing. Yeah, it makes them fearless, for, basically fearless for a turn, right? Yeah, you can, you know, basically you can undo a waiver, right, on your turn. And that doesn't, you can do that anytime you want. I think Chris would have a good point if the army was, like, dominating the meta, but we've never dominated the meta, and we will probably, like, never dominate the meta. So I, I think we're one of the few, I think if you gave Indomitable Will to Elves, it would be a problem. If you gave it to goblins, it would be a massive problem. I think that Kingdoms of Men, I think it works well with us, and it I don't I don't see any problem with it. I don't I, think I'm gonna say something that's that's crazy. Uh I have been playing Kingdoms of Men for the last nine months, and I don't use Indomitable Will. I don't think it's an auto-include on every unit, but if you got the I, if you're playing a heavy cavalry build, which I have been playing with the monarch, I got headstrong and I got rally two. I don't I don't I don't need it. Right. And typically if I'm running a bunch of hordes at 23 nerve. Uh, you know, rally from the captains. Like, well, you know, oh, oh it's a bummer that you rolled boxcars, but yep. it's unusual. So I, it, I don't think it's auto-include. No, no in, in, I did not specifically include it on the knights in my list when we get into that uh, because they already had stubborn. So it, it's great waiver mitigation for 10 points uh, and it doesn't take up an item slot. So I think it would be a problem on, you know, super hammer units where, Hey, this unit's great, except for it's not fearless. Uh, and it needs an item to like, uh, get, well, used to be get pathfinder or something like that. Um, but the, the kingdoms of men, you just, you don't have those super hammer units where, yeah, making it fearless and an item just sets that unit on fire. It, it, it those units just don't really exist in kingdoms of men. Yeah. I actually think very inspiring is the better rule. <laughs> right then then indomitable will i think very inspiring is amazing because it it allows you to take me i may have only have one or two sources of inspiring you know or maybe three in my whole list because you get with nine inches you get a much you know obviously you can spread that across a lot farther i think unless i'm specifically running the captain the majority of the time i play kingdoms of men my whole army scores yeah i, <laughs> I so there's a lot of people that don't like individuals because they don't score captain he's a must in my list. You know, I, I love it. 
Oh, I love him. I love him. He's yeah. so much fun. Usually uh, take him and then maybe a, an army standard bear, but you know, cause they're only like 50 points, right? Hero <laughs> is also pretty good. We're going to get to those. Hong Win soon asks, other than three flying general builds, are there any viable builds for the current tournament worthy Kings of Men list? I think there, yes, I think there are. Why don't you guys take that question? So the, the three generals isn't a really a build onto itself. It's, it's a piece of a build. The, the generals fill, I think, some very specific roles. Um, and then, you know, you have to figure out, well, well what, what don't they do? Uh, what other things do I need this list to do to win against some matchups? And, you know, kind of start figuring that, uh, those other pieces of the list out. But the, the three generals are definitely very good and give you a lot of flexibility. Um, uh, I'm going to plead the fifth on this one because I'm not playing Kingdoms of Midlands without three generals. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Do I think there's a viable list out there? Yes. I just don't know if it would be my play style. I think it would probably be uh, War Engine or Shooting Heavy in that instance. I think that with if you're going with a pure infantry build, you need those little that that, that ability to get those easy flanks and rears to really make that infantry list successful. It doesn't necessarily have to be three flying generals, but I think you have to have something that can reach out and touch people. It's sort of like a dog on a chain, right? And people get, oh my God, the thing's barking at me. Well, that concern by your opponent gives the rest of your army time to do what they need to do. You know, move, position, get ready, you know, but, you know, you know having things like knights. The general on wing beast. Generals on a wing beast or yeah. or even, or even the, you know, the uh, wizard on a pegasus, right? Those <laughs> give you some reach out and shoot, touch, and, you know, obviously the mobile scoring is, is a big thing there. So I, I, if you're going to be successful, you got to have some of this. You may not have to have three of them, but you got to have some mix of things that can reach out and touch people. I, I would say for me, the most part of that. Um, so, yeah, the Pegasus um, fill a very similar role for much cheaper and aren't as durable. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's more so that mobile scoring piece you need. <laughs> 100%. And we'll talk about builds at the end. You know, I've been playing a lot with the Monarch. A flying monarch, which it's not great. I'm not going to lie, but it was fun. <laughs> it's not great. All right. So uh, let's get into the unit by unit. Are you guys ready? So we'll start with shield wall. So obviously speed five, melee four, defense four, comes in troop regiment and horde, 10, 12, 15 attacks, 9, 11, 13, 15, 20, 22, 65, 100, and 165 points. And it can get indomitable um, will for 10 points. Um, it, we've talked about it. It's the average unit. It's the run of the mill, right? Mm -hmm. Do you guys do you guys use this very much? I have never taken a shield wall. I take it when I can't afford foot guard. That's you know <laughs> when I need unlocks. Th this is my you know choice. It's interesting because I think we're going to talk about builds, but you know, and, and Jason's got a very unique way to go, which is unlocking with Bowman, right? But uh, in the past, I would take a lot of the Pike, you know, a very elite build. But what I've been finding, or, or a bunch of foot guard, and what I've been finding is, if all I want is somebody to sit back on the back on a token, shield will do that just fine, right? Mm. And you save a lot of points, right? Uh, but they have no hitting power, so mm. I don't know. It's I, it, agreed. It, it's so the 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 blessing and the curse of being the kingdoms of men, or, or being a unit entry in the kingdoms of men, is you're you're the base that everything's priced off of, and I, I think that hits the shield wall especially hard. Because there's a lot of good infantry out there that unlock that are super cheap. So Goblin Rabble, even the uh, the Ratkin. And there's stuff that's super hitty, um, like Gork Great Axe. But the shield wall is just kind of stuck in the middle. You're paying points for something on the Melee 4 where I'd honestly be much better uh, or happier if there were Melee 5 
and a good bit cheaper because you're only going to do 100%. one or more, one or so damage more. So it, it just works out where they just kind of unfortunately get stuck in the middle. And uh, the only reason I, I, I tried taking them is because they unlock uh, and they're cheap, you know, whereas the, the militia mob isn't. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, it's a, that's a good, a good uh, point you're bringing up because Thorben Newman asks, how would you give shield wall more of a defined role? You know, fully knowing that this fixes shield wall type infantry across the entire game. You, you can't because it's, it's like, it's, it is the generic plug. There's, there's cheaper, uh, you know, like the militia mob, which don't unlock, but are those cheaper throwaway units um, and the more expensive stuff like foot guard. I mean, shield wall is that in between role, right? Yeah. If they were five or 10, if they were 10 points cheaper or even like five points cheaper at the regiment level, I would probably absolutely love them. But where they're at right now, like I'm just I'm, I'm underwhelmed and there's we don't hurt for unlocks generally. And I, I agree. Uh, the unlocks are you've got a lot of options. And the fix would be if you could figure out that nice balanced fix that would fix, in, in my opinion, there's a, a bigger issue, Kings of War wide, with infantry that falls in the middle. Anything that's about like a horde that's above 150 points and maybe below like 230 points just doesn't seem to have enough oomph offensively for its footprint size, doesn't seem to be able to take enough damage wise for its footprint size either. And it's just kind of, in my opinion, uh, generally in a bad place. And and that is exactly what, um, uh, to a certain extent, the foot guard and especially the shield wall are in. And the, the only fix I'd thought of possibly is upping nerve or doing something to where you kind of get a little bonus for free, like plus one defense against shooting to represent, you know, some kind of shield wall or something. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, um, you get the spearman upgrade for free, or you get a little bit more, a um, few more attacks or conditional rushing or something. Yeah, yeah, right, right. It, it's it's just kind of missing a little bit there, and, and then that goes for a lot more units than than shield wall for all the reasons we talked about. I was saying like a points reduction if they were ninety points, and then like you take a nominal will, it's a hundred points. They get some waiver mitigation. That'd be decent thick chaff. But I honestly think it's in the list, not necessarily because people want to use it, but because that's the unit everything else gets costed against. And like it represents something like I, I think like if you want that horde unlock 165 points, you're not take you don't have enough. You don't have a lot of shooting. Like, I don't think they're bad, but no. And like I said, the only time I take them is when I can't afford something better. Right. But I, but I need it to unlock and, and I can't, so I can't afford to take the militia mob. So, you know, fortunately they're just sort of stuck in the middle and I don't think they'll ever be fixed because they are the generic unit. Everything's compared to um, Michael, take us to polearm block. This is why I never take shield wall. Pull arm blocks are speed five, melee four up, defense at three up, and they've got 12 attacks, 13, 15 nerve, 105 points, 25 attacks in the horde, 20, 22 nerve, yeah, and crushing strength one. Yeah. Really, their thing is 25 attacks, crushing strength one in the horde, and they are five points more than shield wall. I absolutely love the pole arms for that five points you drop that defense but you get that crushing strength one and they hit surprisingly hard agreed for for a unit that's that cheap getting the crushing on it if it, it feels a little bit more of a tailored role rather than trying to be overly generic like the shield wall so you get a little bit more oomph in your hand to hand i i've tried running them before but in the uh the the people I was playing against had a lot of shooting. Uh, so that defense drop kind of precluded me from using those for too long, but I a hundred percent agree. I mean, it's, it's almost like the shield wall or the losers here compared to the, the pole arms and some of the other entries we're about to go over. Cause they're, they're not specialized like these are. 
Yes. If I'm looking for a cheap unlock, I'm taking the pole arms at 105 over the shield wall at 100. Like I have gotten in situations where a a regiment of pole arms have gotten a flank. I got a rear with a horde once, but that was mostly Jeff Shilkin's fault. And they did a stupid amount of wounds to something that was defense six. They they hit well, they hit way above their weight class in some instances for 175 for the horde for a horde unlock for something that can actually do stuff. Yeah, I I, I love polearm lock. Are you guys taking them as regiments or hordes? Depends on what I need. I, I've taken them as I, I've taken them both. I think both are good options. Um, I, I think I'm a little bit more preferential to the horde. Just because you get more unlocks and uh, they have more staying power. Well, you could take a po- you could take one punch, right? And they they'll, they'll and if you give them indomitable will, they're guaranteed to hit back. So and Hong Win soon asks, why are troop options no longer there for pole arms? You know, he's saying they aren't that abusable. To be honest, what do you guys thought? Because they used to have well, that used to be an option, mm-hmm. right? Troops? No, uh, they're, they they were too good. <laughs> okay, I miss I miss them. To be honest, I was my planned kingdoms of men list before was third edition dropped officially was a bunch of polearm troops because I feel like I feel like they were abusable, especially if they would be like 70 points, like 10 attacks, crush one, like yeah, they're I if, if they were there, I would probably play 12 of them in a the list. I'm not kind of like a discount berserker, really. Yeah, that, that's what yeah. I did with fanatics. I loved fanatic reg I love fanatic troops and there would be mm-hmm. cheap fanatic troops. So <laughs> I want them back. Please give them to me back. I can see how they would be a problem. They're very weak to shooting, though. Defense three. Yeah. All right, Spear Phalanx. That's my, I, probably my favorite unit. I just think it looks awesome on the table. Speed five, melee four, defense four. Regiment and Horde, 1530 attacks, 1315 and 2022 nerve. 120 and 200. Obviously comes with Phalanx. Can take a Bull for 10 points, but the killer is exchange spears for pikes, gaining in snare for 20 and 30 points. So we're talking about a 230-point Horde. If you think you are going to see flyer, I I don't know about you guys, but I love to have a unit of these guys in there because you just never know. And this is the unit that can that can that can stop some of those alpha striking units. Oh, especially in terrain, it, it it's just a hard block for at least like three turns uh, at, at the horde level. Yeah, never counter charge. Just back up, <laughs> make them charge <laughs> you again. Michael, oh, yeah, the, the uh, Keith Randall uh, school of thought there. 100%. <laughs> are you guys using these? I, I know, Jason, th- these aren't not in your list because you have a different unlock strategy. Right. But Michael, are you, I know you had at, at uh, the Dallas Masters, you had a bunch of regiments, right? I did, yeah. I used to run four to five regiments, and I absolutely love this unit. I think it's a gold, I think it's a gold star unit, especially in that regiment level. I actually found the hordes died quicker than the regiments because people would bring overwhelming force into them. While the regiments can survive pretty much anything, if you position them in such a way that they can only get a single front charge, they can survive almost anything in the game Mm. just as a single front charge. With that 1315 nerve, you don't really care about them getting wavered. Like, they're just, they were, they like hammers would come in and do nothing to them. I, they would get, they would last two, three turns sometimes. Like it's, I had a lot of, I had a lot of success with them, but I think that at the regiment level, they're just a little bit too pricey these days. That's why I, I'm not taking them any longer. We're talking about 140 points to have pikes. Yeah. They're very good. They're very good at the regiment level. And I think there's a role for the horde to play, but I, I, well, I still think they're good. I don't have a place for them at my current list. Gotcha. I, I played around with them, and once again, it comes back to what you think you're going to face. And facing a lot of shooting, they end up dying. So they, I die. Had to, they die. They die. Yeah, they die. 
Yeah, but because they die just as easily as the shield wall to shooting, <laughs> so, except they're more expensive. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I feel like that defense four helps them a little bit, but they're just so slow, just trudging across the board. Like they get shot off. But if you know you're playing cavalry or flyers, oh yeah. Like I, I, I've, I've been in those games where I have two hordes of these guys, and the Brock Rider army shows up, and they're just like, oh. In the mountain region and south meta, which are the metas I generally play the most in, they were they did wonders for me. Now, I, I will say there is definitely something to the checkerboard regiments, or at least there was. Uh, and then your th- those are your, your absorb the charge and hit back pieces. Uh, and then having giants or um, some kind of support element to kind of be that and to add the damage and break that unit. Um, it Once again works great except if you start facing off against a lot of shooting <laughs> that's, basically, that's basically what i was running and I, uh, I, yeah. I was effective i was effective against anything that wasn't just a gun line yeah well rem does ask how good are the pipe blocks are they overrated or underrated they're fairly costed for what they do but to your point if you're going to leave them back as to, to be on an objective there's better things to do that with they have a role which is to take the charge specifically hopefully cavalry and flyers <laughs> and if you're not going to face that then you're wasting your points i think in hordes they're a little overrated i think people have the fear of god of them because they're like how am i going to get well through that? I-, I will say that they are maybe overrated because i put too much faith in them i had a horde yep. uh, mm-hmm. and the abyssal horsemen had two regiments came in uh and they had sharpness on one and crushing three i mean because remember these are thunder one crushing one so even though they were hitting at minus two one of the regiments was hitting on fours because they were sharpnessed Right. And the other horde was hitting on fives. Still took them off. No problem. You bring up a good point, Michael. The fact that you got the horde, people are not going to mess around. <laughs> they're going in and they're going to knock them out. Chris Kapsner, Herd Army, uh, Stampede and Chariots, uh, Minotaur Chariots, and one of them upgraded to the Stampede. No problem. <laughs> because unfortunately, right. Phalanx doesn't work against Chariots. Yep. So, or spirit walkers. <laughs> exactly. So I, you know, I think I think you're it's interesting. I have a horde painted, but I really I am if I go that route, which I haven't been lately, I've been going more the, the cavalry route. I think more regiments might be the way. So yep, I, I agree. Jason, you want to take us to foot guard? Foot guard. We've got speed five, melee three, defense five. They come in troops, regiments, and hordes, unit strength one, three, four, attacks 10, 12, 25. Nerve, 10, 12, 14, 16, or 21, 23. The big part <laughs> is the points. Uh, 90, 135, and 225 for the Horde. The options, you can take Indomitable, of course, for 10 points, or exchange, get Crushing 1, and drop to Defense 4. I, I played around with these units somewhat in some experimentation um, with where I eventually got to the build I was. I tried to use them, dropping them to the defense four and gaining crush one and item in and up like elite or vicious or sharpness. Uh, and they do pretty well, uh, especially with some Bane champ backing. Uh, they, they became almost that super hammer unit, but they never quite did as well as some of those kind of tailor designed entries like uh, the orc great ax uh, or, you know, vampires uh, on foot. <laughs> the, they, they, they're not quite the super blender units, even if you item them all up, but they start kind of getting close. In the past, when I first started playing against the men, I, I played with a horde of them. Um, and I would typically play with Defense 5. Um, they, they are resilient, but they don't have any crushing, <laughs> right? So I've got so automatically, I either got to give them an item or <laughs> I've got to do something. And now you're talking 225 or more, 250, you know. Uh, well, they start at 225 and then adding an item, you're, you're, you're 250 points probably. 
Mm-hmm. And, and at that point, you have to take Indomitable Will because those things need to be hitting every turn they're in absolutely. combat. Absolutely. And I don't know. that. Yeah, they hit on threes, but they're still not going to put out the damage, right? They're, no. They're not, right? There's other units that, that put out more damage than these guys. El so Pal I don't know. Starter, perfect example of a, a – a, it's, it's just the baseline unit is a little bit better in some of these other entries. And, and it really starts showing when you try to item them up. Uh, it, it, it's kind of almost uh, to a certain extent – throwing uh, more good points after bad. There might be definitely something to them in the more regiment form or horde form at base, but ju- just the way I was trying to play them, I could never quite get them there. They just aren't the the super blender unit uh, that you kind of want them to be sometimes. I have tried regiments of the uh, Crushing Strength 1 version. They're nice. Like if, if we talk about checkerboard, right? And you've got this mm-hmm. pike take the hit and you, you get a flank with these other guys. They can mm-hmm. They can put out some damage. But at the end of the day, they are expensive. And I just don't know that there's so many other ways to get more punch at a better cost per point, right? Like, you know, at a or even point. in another unit entry that's got the exact same footprint in, the, or footprint here in a second. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting is Thorben did ask, are people sleeping on foot guard troops? And, and he got me thinking. Foot guard troops. Hmm. 10, 12, nerve, defense five. Keyword night. The monarch could be plus two rally on knights, right? So I don't know. I, I don't know, guys. Have you guys ever tried the troops of these? I have. I have. It doesn't sound optimistic, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I like fanat- fanatic troops, like to like bury the lead a little bit. Fanatic troops are like one of my favorite units in the like list. The thing that drew me to them is that they're like fanatic troops with a higher defense. And if you take a nominable will, they kind of have fearless and they performed about the same, but that wild charge is really nice. So I don't know. I haven't played them with the rally bubbles. I actually really, I'm actually really high on foot guard. I just prefer them in the horde variant. Like what you guys were saying about them being a blender unit. I I, I think that they're, they're not going to reliably take very durable units off in one turn, but like those like that 15, 17 point that 14 16 point that comes in to hit them they, they'll take that off quick you just you just gotta I, i've always been i've always been i, I think foot guard are pretty good actually i mean the defense five does go a long way right it's mm-hmm. you know uh, because that's the one unit that can maybe take some shooting <laughs> that you know the, right. the, the 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 plink fire that okay well defense five so i frequently run them i do frequently run them at defense four though i like that crushing strength but i run them as a second line unit so i layer them up pretty nice so they don't get shot that often Gotcha. Well, let's talk about our first irregular unit, the Militia Mob. Uh, it's infantry, obviously, speed five, melee five, defense three. It's it's a rabble horde, right? <laughs> so regiment 65 points, a horde is 105, and a legion is 155. And it's unit strength two, three, and four, 12, 25, and 30 attacks, and 11, 14, 18, 21, and 24, 27 nerve. Uh, and the keywords are expendable and human. So this is a great unit if, if you want trash. They don't unlock, obviously, is, is the problem. But a 65.2 unit strength unit, not too bad. Have you guys used these guys very much? I uh, can't talk too much about them because I didn't use them uh, too often. So I, my experience goes about as far as list building. <laughs> I, I wanted to include them, but I just start running out of unlocks. Uh, and the infantry, I need to generate my unlocks for the support units. So I, I couldn't uh, shoehorn them in too often. I love them. Absolutely love them. Uh, they would be broken if they unlocked. Um, and the reason I love them is 65 points at a regiment. That is just, it's just, they're so, they're so cheap. It's just, it's just cheap unit strength, right? And that's what, that's what it is. 
they're chaff. Yeah, like I use them at like like eleven fourteen nerve point. It, it's not the great. It's not the greatest thing in the world, to be honest. But like eleven fourteen is pretty thick. Like you got to you you got to be okay with them getting wavered because they've got that they've got that weird troll waiver point, right? Which can then hold up your whole advance, right? Uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So like like that that is that is their weakness is they've got that troll waiver point. If you're okay with them getting, if you're okay with them getting wavered, and you kind of plan that, like, okay, yeah, they're gonna get wavered. You march them up first turn, and that gives you some distance. Like, I, I don't see running them in the hordes just because they're too unwieldy. But I love them at regiment level. Yeah, the the horde. I have run run the hordes, and and you know, it's just a, it's just a big 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 piece of chaff, right? You can just throw them <laughs> out there, and uh, you know, at eighteen twenty one nerve, if you're backed up by the captain. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not terrible. I mean, defense three, right? And let's be honest, unless they get a flank, they're not killing anything. And nope. God help you if you're if you're hindered. You're definitely not hitting anything. But that's right. not their role. Their role is just to be unit strength, you know. And the remnants is probably the way to go because you could stick them, you know, at unit strength two, you can mitigate someone that takes the flying monster into that control zone, right? Oh, look at that. I, I won. No, well, I actually I'm unit strength two and you're only strength one, so I still win. I will say something that is telling of their quality is uh, my friend Adam Ballard, who's the U.S. master. When he borrowed my Kingdoms of Men list, he included um, five regiments of them. So I think I think they're a quality. I, I think they're a quality. I mean, they're scarecrows. They're zombies. They're you know, yeah. They're sixty five. They're sixty five points. They're just mm-hmm. yeah. This just well. I know Michael. You want to talk fanatic? So let, why don't you take fanatic? <laughs> All right. So the namesake of our I guess I guess the group name came before the unit name, but the. Same name as our group. So they are speed five, melee three, defense three. They have one, three, and four unit strength, respectively, 12, 15, and 30 attacks. 11, dash 11, dash 15, and dash 22 on the horde. Uh, 95 points, 145, and 240 points. Um, and they have crushing strength one and the very relevant wild charge D3. They are a wet paper bag when it comes to defense, but I absolutely love fanatics. They are great. They have done so much work. They pull. They pull so much work. They like a a troop in the flank with twenty four attacks on something. If you're playing them in that checkerboard like I used to, that troop would do work. I've run anywhere from five to seven of these guys in the troop form. And I absolutely love them. And it is it breaks my heart to say I don't think they're very good anymore because of the amount of shooting in the meta. <laughs> played with a horde uh, quite a bit, actually. Now, I will say the troop is awesome. One of my local sparring partners plays Kingdoms of Men. Uh, he loves to having three or four of these troops there. He runs them out like, well, shoot them. Go ahead. They're dash 11. You got to deal with them. If they hit you, they're going to jack you up. The horde is awesome because you could usually deliver it. The problem I have is, man, they are so freaking expensive. And I just, I have sort of leaned into other things that can get you the same output. But I will say, situationally, like you can get them on a hill and they're charging off a hill. Now they're hitting, you know, 30 attacks hitting on threes with Thunder One crushing one. You know, there are, or you can Bane Chan them. There are things, you know, and I will say too, you know, the Horde is is so big that Wild Charge can catch people out. You know, potentially you can charge 13 inches, right? So... I'll charge in the troops catches people out. It that's where the play is. But man, with the with the propensity, I mean, I'll give you an example. Last game of Michigan GT, I played against a, a lightning bolt spam ratkin list, 
I had the banner that, you know, that gives me minus one for, for spells. You know, they didn't get into combat. And I think, for my mind, this is where I have struggled. My traditional play style is I have a line of infantry with some shooting that's sort of held back. And then I've got some kind of like fast flank wing. You know, maybe it's a couple units of uh, knights. Maybe it's a monarch. Maybe it's some giants. But it's something that's that's really going to reach out and touch people. The fanatics are in that weird space. They're not fast enough to keep up with them. <laughs> right and if they're sitting back with the infantry they're not doing their job so it's sort of like for me i wonder if these are the units you, you got to go more in you got to gotta go in go in with them right and you know fanatic instigator and, and really dive into that i don't know have you guys tried that diving into in, into more fanatics i haven't tried it myself i've played against it a couple times with actually my kingdoms of men list. So you, you can take a guess at how that went <laughs> once we get into our builds. This unit entry would be great in any other list if it weren't for Indomitable Will. With, with Indomitable Will, you can downgrade your foot guard to defense for crush one. Now the foot guard are cheaper. Yes, they can be wavered, but 10 points Indomitable Will. Now you're pretty much on equal footing and you're cheaper and you have an extra point of defense. Now you lose the wild charge, but when you're facing off, it gives you a little bit more resiliency against you know, shooting. So it, it, that's generally where they fall down for me is um, resiliency versus shooting. It's interesting you say that because I never thought about it, but with the foot guard being downgraded, give them a dominable will. They also have more nerve, right? <laughs> One more pip of nerve. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I guess I didn't think about that. Much so yeah. And, yeah. and then the fact that technically the foot guard can get in rallied from the monarch. <laughs> so there's, there's probably some trickery you could do there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think the thing that they do better at the foot guard is that they are better troops because of that wild charge and a troop base is actually pretty. It's got that same benefit of a 50 mil. It's not a square, obviously, but it's very like it can get into weird places and can get flanks very easily. So I think that's the one thing they do better than mm-hmm. foot guard is they are better in the troop form. But the troop is also where they are most fragile to shooting. And even 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 against lists that only have a few chip shooting, if they get lucky, they can pull off they can pull off a couple troops of fanatics so i mm-hmm. i still love them i still think that there's a place for them but i don't know i i have not included them in my in my current version of the list with well, basically and with- we really haven't been talking about magic artifacts and, and my approach has typically been with these big blocks of infantry i don't want to give them stuff like i i would prefer to keep things cheap and get more bodies on the table and at 240 points for a horde you're kind of already in at that point it's like well now i got to double down and if i'm going to take any kind of magic artifact maybe maybe haste haste? (laughs) or Or, uh, madness madness. that's that's my problem is they only charge 13 13, right right yep there's There's just so much other stuff stuff that can reach out out faster so So, i don't know know. i'm probably probably not smart enough to play them right that's probably the problem (laughs) you're seeing too much uh shooting in the southeast too (laughs) well that's true too right yeah they do they do even in the michigan gt which is up in michigan in all five of my games like i had a horde in they just they if I can deliver them they can do some punch, mm-hmm. but at crushing strength one, it's just it's just like well let's just be honest at two hundred and forty points you have other units for less than that that can deliver more punch. I will say they do have more attacks too because they do have thirty attacks. Yeah, them. they do have thirty attacks. Yeah. They do have thirty yeah. attacks. They are more reliably going to kill stuff than the foot guard. You know when you think of things like cavalry, for example, or or a giant situationally, you might there's other things that can kill. At a higher level. I mean, I know with 30 attack, hitting on threes, you know, you're going to hit, you're going to hit 20 times, but <laughs> you only have the crushing strength one. So if you're going against high defense stuff, it's like, ah, and they're going to punch you back. And yes, they are dash 22 or dash 11 or dash 15. 
Keith Conroy, he's asking, what are the best units to screen fanatics with? Uh, and maybe that's my problem. I don't know what to, what to screen them with. So what do you, what are you using, Michael? I would use militia mob because they are cheap. I was actually going to say, <laughs> it seems like the go-to screen for your big hordes of infantry is cheaper hordes of infantry. Honestly, I think running like, I think running a, but like three hordes of fanatics and like three hordes of militia mob would be kind of, kind of fun and probably pretty effective as a nice, massive grindy block in the middle. It, it's a lot of nerve. Is a uh, lot of nerve. It's going to be, it's going to be torn to shreds as, unless we're fighting in the shade against Jason's army, but <laughs> against certain lists, that's going to be hard to chew through six hordes. So, well, next up, we do have the range infantry and we're going to talk about those, but let's tackle this question first, which is, uh, so Nicola Grant asks, our shooting options, shooting options worthwhile outside of lightning and war engine, war machines, or does range five plus suck too much? Jason, you take it. Yes. Range five up does suck. I, I agree. However, it's, it's all about the price point. So if you can find range five up for a good price point, uh, Jeff and his um, goblins showed this last edition. Hey, I don't care if I'm hitting on sixes or sevens, if I've got, you know, 150 shots backing me up uh, because range five for so cheap. To that extent, it, it's really those cheaper range five up platforms uh, that I think work pretty well. They're not great, but they work pretty well if you have a build that supports them right. The more expensive platforms, I've tried those, and it, it's just too much. It, you spend too much for that range five, even with piercing one or two. Um, so yes, uh, there is a place for it, um, and it's generally on the cheaper platforms, in my opinion. And Hong Win Soon asks, also, how viable is a shooting Kingdoms of Men list? Well, that's the first question. The second one is the recent changes hadn't been kind to Kingdoms of Men shooting. Well, let's start with the first one. I think, Jason, you would agree. Yes. That the shooting Kings of list is, is very efficient, right? <laughs> it, it Well, okay. So there are a couple things there. I have tried full shooting. I, I went, I you know, they say never go full shooting. I tried it and, and it doesn't work. It Well, let me rephrase. It works sometimes. It has some extremely horrible matchups that ended up, you know, kind of taking you down to like maybe a, a three and three um, tournament list, something like that. It, it can be successful. Uh, what you can't do is sit still with it, though. So you can do a shooting more focused Kingdoms of Men list and I think do really well. But the key to going either all shooting and trying to do well or a mix of shooting and hand to hand is you, you can't sit still. There, there is no you can't play gun line. Your gun line is a moving gun line. It has to advance and move to, to be able to do well. You want to add anything to that, Michael? Just like math-wise, a horde of bowmen for 175 points with clear shots has roughly the same damage output as a unit of glade stalkers. Hitting on fours, just like with like how the dice evens mm -hmm. out against defense four or five. So it's like they actually do a decent amount. It's just like when the cover penalties start. Even worse if you have to move. <laughs> right, right. But don't sleep on them because I've played I've I've not played against the Bowman line, but I've played against Jared's like goblin shooting list with the spinners mm -hmm. and like their similar damage output and ours unlock. So like I I have yet to use Bowman myself with Kingdoms of Men, but I have been tooling around with different Bowman lists because of how good they are as an unlock. As to the more expensive ones, I don't, I don't know. The second part of Hong's question is the recent changes haven't been very kind of Kingdom of Shooting. I disagree. I, I don't think Me they too. really affect this at all. I think cannons will see less play because they no longer, uh, you know, uh, ignore the intervening terrain. It forces you to take siege artillery, 
which do the same thing and are cheaper. So I guess from that standpoint, yes, we're losing out on shattering. In, in my mind, I don't see it really affecting anything because war engines before, if you were in difficult terrain, it was cover, right? Mm-hmm. So for cannons, in in that regard, cannons ignore ignore that. However, they take the other penalties that they used to get get out of. Uh, whereas I crop so, up more often. <laughs> yeah. So I I, th- yeah. I think what what you're going to see is well w- the way I've been playing is more siege artillery and less cannons. It's same. Ballistas are. We'll get to them. I, th- mm. I think there's some use there because I know they're less piercing, but they're dirt cheap. And they, you know, they hit on fours. And so that kind of, even though they take the cover penalties, it kind of is a wash. Like, oh, it's in cover. Great. I had on fives, but I'm still the blast D3. And so I, I, I actually don't think the, the cover penalties are that difficult for kingdoms of men. I think it just makes you change what you take. I agreed. And I think in particular reference, maybe to take the question a different way is not just focused on artillery, but the introduction of move and shoot steady aim units and elves in the glade stalkers that also have stealthy if they're the sylvankin variety definitely change things up i I noticed a big difference there whereas prior i was a little bit more on even footing with elf lists that shot a lot because they didn't have steady aim i didn't have steady aim on my unlocking units Mm -hmm. their unlocking units now have steady aim and sometimes stealthy so that that did tilt things um, a a decent amount to where you, you have to change your calculus a little of who's winning the the shooting um back and forth there it's uh yeah it's a meta it's a meta thing more than anything because like i recently ran a one day here in kc uh we had 12 players and like five elves lists (laughs) yep that that, that would do how many uh how many sylvan can flavored ones there uh just me Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> just you. Most of them were Twilight Ken. Ah, okay. Or my dad was running my Twilight Ken, which I had painted for him. So I was over two, two of the five. Well, Jason, it's it would be no one else could do this. You got to take us oh. through the Bowman and the crossbow block because only okay. you do shooting the right way. Okay, maybe the right way. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, the Bowman unit entry, they're speed five, and here are the two important stats to take note of: they're melee five, range five. Defense three. They come in troop regiments, hordes. Um, unit strength is one, two, three. Attacks eight, 10, 20. Nerve nine, 11, 13, 15, 20, 22. Points 75, 100, and 175 for the horde. Uh, the special rules are bows, 24. Uh, keywords human. So I, I, I guess I could kind of go through how I settled on these and why, why I like them so much. Uh, and they kind of formed the core of a, a good bit of my army. Um, so to kind of go back um, and look at all of the different entry uh, infantry units, I really like taking the support pieces, so monsters or war machines or heroes, uh, and the infantry gets you multiple unlocks. So if you're looking to take multiple heroes, war machines, and monsters, you need some hordes. Um, kind of looking over all of the different infantry hordes, um, I really like the bowmen, and it's because they're only 10 points more expensive than the shield wall at the horde size. And for that 10 points, yeah, you, you drop a defense, you drop a melee uh, score, so four goes to five. Uh, but the big thing is, well, and you drop five attacks, uh, but the big thing is you gain that ranged attack. And it just adds so much more flexibility. And quite honestly, I would, and have plenty of times, charge my bowmen hordes in, in combination with knights or other units, and they output about not too different from what a shield wall horde would do. Um, so maybe a point or so uh, less damage. Um, so that added flexibility and the fact that it's unlocking shooting 
uh, which is really, really lacking in the horde size. And a lot of their factions just kind of push me in that direction. Honestly, I traditionally haven't taken a lot of Bowman. I, I do have a troop painted and I would take them occasionally. And we'll talk about the formation later. But, you know, you've opened my eyes to, like, if you're 10 points more, if I'm going to have a unit sitting back on a token, you might as well be able to shoot. I'll be brief because Jason went over it really well. But I, I, I basically agree with everything he said. I think Bowman are actually sneaky one of the reasons you take i think they're the main reason you take kingdoms of men over rordia to be honest because our unlocking bowmen are just so good at what they do they're just so points efficient that ability to just be able to walk forward have that three unit strength shoot a little bit have a high enough nerve to survive that counter shooting and then um just kind of do their thing like they're essentially militia mob that unlock and can shoot back they're just a lot more expensive they are this super utility piece (laughs) exactly like they're they give you a lot of flexibility and i've been experimenting with running them as my kind of center line i I opted to for the list i selected today not have any bowman in it because i i figured jason would and i wanted some difference of lists but i think that they're very very good awesome you want to take us into the crossbow block uh, so the crossbow block, they are relatively similar to the bowmen. Um, so speed five, melee five, range five, defense three, come in troop regiment horde, unit strength one, two, three, uh, attacks eight, 10, 20, uh, nerve nine, 11, 13, 15, 20, 22, points 85, 115, and 200 for the horde. So pretty much the same stat block uh, as the bowmen, a uh, little bit more on points, and here's why. Uh, special rules are crossbows 24, piercing one, and pot shot. Uh, and then the kicker uh, is you can exchange your crossbows for rifles, which just give you another piercing. So take you to piercing two uh, for 10, 15, or 25 points at the horde level. So I, I, I can speak to these somewhat. I, I have definitely tested these out. So earlier on, I had mentioned that um, different versions of my list were pure shooting. Part of the problem I ran into uh, was defense six, especially healing defense six or high nerve cap defense five, like Nathan Clevenger, when he was running um, his empire of dust, if you don't kill it, it's coming back (laughs) to like back to full. Uh, So I had tried out crossbows and rifles um, to get that extra piercing to be able to put down those defense five high nerve healing units or those defense six units. Um, And they were great for that. Um, Phenomenal. Um, One of the great tools for it in in the kingdoms of men list. The, The problem became they get a lot more expensive than the Bowman. And in those matchups where that uh, that range five up is not going to perform well. So things like Night Stalkers or people that are going to get in your face, like factions that get in your face extremely quickly, you pay a lot more points for something that just doesn't really provide the value and the utility like the Bowman do. So great for particular matchups. And if you've got a space in your build that you need that, and that's the hole you're missing, they're great for that, but they, they just kind of lack some of that utility that the bowmen have just because the bowmen are cheaper. Well, and pot shot's a big deal too, right? <laughs> At least yes. the bowmen can move and they hit on sixes. Crossbow block moves, they hit on sevens, right? So now you're having your attacks hitting on sixes. Yeah, bold, bold statement here. I think you could remove pot shot from the crossbowmen, and I probably still wouldn't take them very often. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, the only time I've been taking them is uh, I, I I painted up a troop of of the guns. And at 95 points, eight attacks, they sit somewhere. You can't move them, right? If they're sitting somewhere, and that 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 piercing two, <laughs> like that heavy, that thick chaff coming at you, it does work. Again, from a cost perspective, you're better off spending that, you know, in this case, 95 points for a troop of the guns. You're probably better off 
taken uh <laughs> well just about anything <laughs> really right yeah just about anything wizard with lightning bolt fanatic troop what's a fanatic troop cost same 95 95 points right so like you're better off taking them because you know that's going to be 12 attacks hitting on threes yeah if you're like in like control like you could leave them in a back corner and like you know so different roles but like yeah i don't know like aren't bowman regiments like 100 points too they're only five more yep. points yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and then you get an unlock like I don't know. I don't ever see taking them like the guns. They're they're fun. Like taking that black powder mm-hmm. upgrade and jar of the four winds in second edition was fun. So if they brought back like jar of the four winds, or maybe they gave us one upgrade for like oh these are like super awesome rifles, and they could have like we could have a one of unit with thirty inch range or whatever with the rifle horde or something like that. Like I could see that being. I could I would take that unit. Because that extra six inches gives you some some leeway. But so what I'm hearing from you guys though is for this kind of shooting, just keep it cheap. Yeah. Shoot it in mass and let it and roll six to damage, right? Like I don't think from a from an efficiency standpoint, you're gonna f- get anything out of the crossbow blo- crossbows or the guns. But from a flavor perspective, eh, it could be fun. It's better to have 150 shots than 100 shots. Just don't clock out. <laughs> this this is important. Yes, do not clock out with. I'm sure Jason's very good at rolling fast. That and time management, 100. percent Yes. <laughs> well, luckily you've studied under the uh, the school of Jeff O'Neill, <laughs> who uh, is the master at not clocking out and being able to efficiently shoot everything. Yes. Yes. Keep it simple and, and keep it fast. All right. Well, let's jump in and talk about cavalry okay. specifically. I know. I know, Jason. I'm I'm a big proponent. I know you use all them a lot. So we got knights at speed eight, melee three, five plus defense. Troop regiment and horde at 134, unit strength 8, 16, 32 attacks, 11, 13, 14, 16, 21, 23, nerve 125, 190 now, woohoo, went down, right? These points went down. And 325 for the horde. You've got headstrong, which is great, uh, and thunder charge two, uh, and you could take indomitable will for 10 points. Mike McCready asks, is the infantry build actually superior to a cavalry build for Kingdoms of Men? Uh, does this go against the prevailing opinion for Kings of War in general with movement and threat ranges being such as prioritized stat? If you want to be competitive, you kind of have a mixed arms approach, right? You got to have something that can shoot infantry to give you the extra unit strength. But I, I think knights are, uh, you got to have them. I don't know. Guys, what do you guys think? So I, I use them a lot. I, I, I generally agree with just what you said, Rob. They, they fill a role in Kingdoms of Men of something that's not a super blender fast unit, but it's a mediocre fast, mediocre hitting unit for a good price point. And supported right, they can do a lot. So I, I wouldn't really with Kingdoms of Men necessarily think all infantry or all cav or all shooting. I've, I've tried two out of the three uh, work well. I have not tried the all infantry approach. So that there's a definite place for them, and that mixed arms has been what I've found to be the most effective. And they're, the CAV provide a key part in that, in that they're a faster, unlocking unit that can hit in hand-to-hand. Uh, not great, but you know that that's what you get with Kingdoms of Men. I have a love-hate relationship with them, <laughs> because they... I, I, one, in the pro column, I love my models for them. I think that they're some of the best models I've ever painted. I did a great job on them. They look absolutely beautiful, but they always seem to disappoint me. But then I look at their points and remember that they're supposed to disappoint me. (laughs) (laughs) That's their job. (laughs) Value. They're like with a nominal will, they're 200 points. They are cheap. They're going to do more. They're going to do, they're going to do their night things. They are like, 
they're like if you took knights from any other army and you stripped everything off they're the bare bones and they will still do their knightly thing and they they'll they'll, they'll survive the counter they, they don't generally kill things on the first charge they 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 but they do okay at surviving the counter punch i like them i think they're very good they just regularly frustrate me feel like they crap the bed a lot so well i i've been running two in my list with recently with the monarch and typically with like maybe a unit of mounted sergeants as a as a you know screen uh and they're great like one will i'll take helm of the drunken ram to give me thunder charge three uh and then maybe brew a strength on the other one and they do hit hard they're not as good as the ones that you know, the cavalry that has crushing strength they're as hitty as them but on the counter charge they're not as hitty as the ones that have crushing strength thunder one they, they fall off round two they do so you gotta hit and you gotta boom with the Monarch and Rally 2 is great, but even without that, even the last game I played, I actually dropped the Monarch, and I just mounted the Captain. And let's go. So it's not Rally 2, it's Rally 1. But the Headstrong is a big deal, man. The, the Headstrong is huge. Because people are like, oh, I, I gotcha. And then I'm like, well, let's see if you got me. Headstrong is the most frustrating part about the Knights, because I failed yeah, too many Headstrong rolls. Well, I, I agree. I wish, instead of having Headstrong... They were cheaper <laughs> because they have the Indomitable Will option. I, I so badly always want to include the Indomitable Will option as my insurance, but you know, you, you start tweaking lists and getting down on points, and the Indomitable Will option generally starts falling off for me just to save some points and get options elsewhere. Yeah, but yeah. I know Rob mentioned you don't run them with the Indomitable Will. I always run them with the Indomitable Will. I, I, it's like I, I've ran into a situation too much where they get where they fail that headstrong role, and I need it. Yep. Yeah, that'll definitely happen. <laughs> well, I will say too, it's you could fail a headstrong roll. It's you know, it's a third, it's a one third chance, right? So now, now I, I will say, if you take the horde, definitely take Undomitable Will. The ten points, hundred percent. And, and I will say, I've never I, traditionally taking a horde of of ogre warriors kind of broke me of taking those big ass blocks because inevitably you get chaffed up, right? And you never get yeah. your points back. And so I don't know if I'm a good enough player to make that work. Yeah, so something interesting about them is the they have a similar... So Eric Trailbridge obviously did very well with his Great Axe Hordes, completely different army. And our knights actually have a similar damage output, even a little better damage output. They're a little bit more reliable than Great Axe. And they have the same footprint size, and they're faster. They're just more expensive. <laughs> but I think the knight hordes are legitimate. You just are going to have to get a ton of reps against them my buddy from colorado um in his brother mark army tyler plays his brother mark knight horde very well and he does he he doesn't get it caught up that often in games i've seen him play with it i think knight hordes can like test player skill but i think if you're good enough with them that they've got just enough mobility with that speed that it makes up for their footprint a little bit you know it's, it's interesting what jason said a little while ago in my mind kingdoms of men is kind of a gambler's army and we have to gamble on certain things. And for me, it's like, I'm not taking Indomitable Will because I'm gambling on Headstrong, right? Uh, it's it's <laughs> yeah. just like, the the way I play Kingdoms of Men is I want to give you lots and lots of different threat ranges. So I got Giants at 14. I got Knights at 16. I got, you know, Generals on Wing Beast at, at 20. I've got uh, 13 for Fanatics. I've got 10 for fo Foot Guard. And I think that's the trick is to find that mixed thing. And for me, the Cavalry typically, you know, deploy center kind of with my infantry block and my shooting. And then I'll have a wing, you know, of like, hey, here comes my cavalry and it's a hard flank and I'll push it up there. And honestly, I played recently, mounted captain, two regiments of knights and two giants 
it was super effective. Now, the, he didn't have a lot of chaff. I was playing against Bisseldorfs with all defense six, but he didn't have a lot of chaff to really stop me. But I do like the fact that you can kind of you can kind of reach out and touch people. And the defense five is is a nice counter to some of the lightning bolt and some of the lighter shooting that you might see because defense five is a little bit more resilient. But yeah, anyway, and I think the biggest thing is you have to support them, right? Just kind of like you said in that example, the Knights alone are not going to do it for you. You, you, you. The Knights are your your prime mover kind of hit unit, but you need that support. The Giants, the the other things like that. It's it's not just the unit, it's how the unit works with other units and what kind of positional advantages you can try to make on the board. Because you're a little bit cheaper generally, um, not quite as cheap as some of the others. So you're going you're gonna to have a few more units. You're going to have possibly that ability to set up some good positional games on the, on the board, uh, especially against lower drop count units. Well, and with the captain shenanigans, right? That's always a nice thing too, even though yep. we will well, drop somebody and, oh, by the way, D3 redeploys. <laughs> so it's like, yep. oh, my war engines are not in the right spot or... Normally, flyer or night unit is going to get redeployed. Like I might have one over here, and he's put his phalanx over there. Oh, great! Well, I'm not. I'm not going to go over there. I'm. They're going somewhere else. Right. Well, let's talk mounted sergeants. So they're speed nine, uh, melee four, defense four, trooper regiment one, three unit strength, attack seven, fourteen, attack seven and fourteen, nerve ten, twelve, thirteen, fifteen, a hundred and hundred and fifty. They're nimble and thunder charge one. I kind of see them as our equivalent of uh, goblin scouts basically obviously they're not yes. speed 10 but they're speed nine and i like them in a troop i i have been playing a troop of these when i'm playing push you know that's the unit that takes them right and just you know because they're they're a cheap unit um i don't i don't have militia mob in the, in that in this list specifically uh but they can also be used as chaff i can throw them out there I, they can take the punch and they can die nimble is great i'm gonna go 18 up the flank and a hard pivot <laughs> and it's like oh crap what do i do now you know you can really put some threat to those battle lines and they are th- you know they're thunder charge one now they don't have vicious like the goblin scouts you know seven attacks it's not terrible hitting on fours with thunder charge one it's not terrible no I, and uh i've definitely like the troop version of them uh they compete actually with the next entry that we'll go over but I, i've definitely used the troop the regiment for me just lacks the umph for the footprint size and kingdoms of men is just kind of hurting for space efficiency and the number of like the offensive output you can fit into a small space. The mounted sergeants just start gumming up the works. They take up too much space generally, even if they catch a flank for what they output. And, you know, maybe you get lucky and you catch a flank solo. They're still not putting down a unit by themselves. Well, in a regiment, it's a great, it's a great comment too. They're like 40 points more. I got a unit of knights and the output is yeah. vastly better. A knight regiment given a flank will kill just about anything <laughs> if it's unhindered. I have been trying to make a um, all or not all nimble cab, but like a very heavily nimble cab army work. And I looked at Kingdom's Men for it, and I don't think mounted. I think they're a better nimble cab in the game than mounted sergeants. Uh, I think they're fine at the troop level. I prefer the ladder entry and mounted scouts, though. I, I think they, I think they serve that. I, I think they serve the role as like fast chaff for your knights pretty well. Let's let's talk about mounted scouts. They're very similar to these guys, but they have five plus range, and they're and at the regiment they're five points more. But the troop is a hundred points, just like the uh, mounted sergeants, uh, and they're nimble with short bows of eighteen inches and steady aim. And you can exchange short bows for black powder weapons at eighteen inches, piercing one and steady aim, but it's ten and fifteen points. Like I think once I get a troop of these guys painted, these guys will replace the mounted sergeants for me because they still move speed nine. If I need to throw them away as a chaff, I can. But 
they can shoot, right? I know they don't have the thunder charge, but like you like you said, Jason, they're not there to give you damage. They're really not. They're they're, they're versatile, right? And, and exactly. Mono scouts are just that much versatile. And the fact that I'm taking troops of a, mono, a troop of mono sergeants, they're not unlocking anyways. So the fact that the mono scouts are irregular doesn't matter at that point. Doesn't yeah. matter at that point. To run four of these guys, five of these guys is like a advanced screen for everything. They would gum up everything. You know, they could do one or two wounds to other chaff units, you know, get a lucky roll, pull the chaff off, or they they help you win that chaff battle because they're shooting. Like, there's there's very rarely a situation that I'm like, I, do, I, w- I would prefer to have mounted sergeants over them. The only situation is, is like, that defense four versus three of shooting. But honestly, mm-hmm. I don't care if these guys get shot off that much, like, as long as they deliver their package, you know? Now, I will say, all we've been talking about is the troops most of the uh, time here. The mounted scouts, I, I, I've tried them at regiment level, and there is a use case for those in certain lists. Um, where, where I tried them, I was running two to three regiments of them uh, with the black powder upgrade. Uh, and, and I think you can kind of see where this is going. <laughs> with some shooting support in that all shooty or mostly shooty list, this gives you a mobile shooting threat that also gives you decent unit strength. So if somebody's trying to outmaneuver you, um, you tie them down, make them hide in the shadow of that forest, that impassable, that whatever, maneuver these around, uh, and now all of a sudden they can start plinking them with the piercing one, uh, and then later game go off and score and do things like that. Um, they, they are really good at doing some chip shooting damage at that regiment size, and combining and overlaying that mobile firepower with less flexible, uh, more less maneuverable firepower, and, and really good, and you know, that couple extra points of damage to get over the top. Uh, are these our poor man scorch wings? Yes, yes, they are. Uh, scorch wings are infinitely better, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. but we're not forces of nature, so you know no, we have to play with the light cav that we're given. You bring up some good points, though. You know, obviously for the regiment, you know, the defense is, is less than the mounted sergeants, and they are one less unit strength, but they're only five points more, and they have steady aim, which is huge. <laughs> and I know if you want the black powder weapons, it's it, you know your your regiment's going to be one seventy versus one fifty, but you know fourteen attacks hitting on fives with piercing one and nimble, right? I mean, there's some they, interesting they, things you can do there. The The range five up isn't as hurt, doesn't hurt them as much with the steady aim and the speed because they can get around to get at those units that maybe aren't in cover this turn. And they're not going to take that move and shoot penalty like the other units because they've got the steady aim. So they, they're they're right on that border. Um, I've, I've tried them with black powder and that worked for me in a particular role I needed them to fill. Uh, but you know, not black powder is pretty good too. Uh, I can definitely see them fill in a role there. Um, and yeah, they're fast. They're fast in unit strength, which is, uh, you know, fills a role kingdoms and men needs. Well, and if you compare them to what the crossbow blocks, like what, 115, something like that for a regiment. Yeah. It's 115, but they got pot shot and they only have 10 attacks. Yeah. This uh, like just 115 to 170 for these. So that's, uh, what that's 55 more points, but they're infinitely better. <laughs> They're completely different. They're, they are not a static unit. They, they are a, they need to be moving and exploiting that movement uh, to, to the fullest. And, and they, they give you a different tool in your toolbox. I do have one complaint about the unit though. They are called mounted scouts and they don't have scout. Yeah. Well, the, the red, the red goblin <laughs> scouts in the over ogre army does not have scout either. So it annoys me for some reason. I think it's unintuitive, but like either, either change it back to calling it Vanguard 
because uh, nobody's playing Vanguard anymore anyway. <laughs> or just or just call it. Well, well Hong, Hong Win soon asked, does ask. Also, will there be an upgrade for our light cavalry? They seemed a bit overpriced for what they could do. I think uh, the answer is if you're trying to use them in traditional roles, yeah, there's probably better, cheaper versions. But, you know, situationally, as we talked about with the mounted scouts at the regiment level, you can do some stuff with them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of uh, his question? Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of other factions have a lot better medium cab or light cab. Scorch Wings are a perfect example. Um, you know, they overtuned them a little there with too many attacks and then brought them back. And right now, I think they're at a good point and they're really good. Uh, they're, they're just heads above um, any other like light kind of, uh, you know, harassing uh, and switch to light damage cab than, you know, there, there is in the game. And comparing to Kingdoms of Men, you just kind of look at it and you're like, wow, this, this really doesn't do that. It, it, it doesn't. It's kind of like all the other Kingdoms of Men list entries. It's kind of the base model. Uh, this is the value you get, and you don't get any of the special features here. Uh, but they're generally lower cost. They're not my top pick for formation, but I feel like mounted scouts or mounted sergeants could both be pushed over the edge depending on what a formation would do. Where like mounted scouts, especially where if they if they were if there was a good formation that buffed them just a little bit, they could they could be a very viable unit option in a lot of lists. Or more viable, rather. They, they can maybe fill roles a little bit better. Yeah, it, it's they, they are a one, maybe two unit pick at most. Uh, and, and for me, just the mounted scouts, not not the uh, mounted sergeants. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, for me, something to tweak the mounted sergeants especially, um, I think would kind of put them over the edge of may, maybe they're takeable now if they fill some role. Yeah, give the mounted sergeants a five-up shooting attack. There you go. <laughs> Just make them mounted sergeants. Right, right, Or combine them. Yeah, yeah. Combine the unit entries. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. There we go. Now, let me say this. I've played Forces in Nature for some years, uh, and there is a similarish unit to that, uh, the Bray Hunters. They have a five-up shooting attack hitting on fours with uh, Nimble and Thunder 1. And the only reason that you don't see those, I think, on the table somewhat is because they're really overshadowed by the Scorch Wings. There is an option RC here <laughs> to, to smash those together and uh, make a new unit entry that's actually playable in Kingdoms of Men uh, with, with something like that. They're not going to give us any efficient tool. Like we have barely been changed in the last few cock packs. So we're not going to get changed again. Yeah, probably not. Unfortunately, there's going to be a list until fourth edition. Then they might look mm. at us. Hi, this is Rob Berman and you're listening to Countercharge. Beast Cavalry are natively speed seven, melee three up, defense Five up, two unit strength and three unit strength to the regiment and the horde. They are nine attacks and 18 attacks, 12, 14 nerve and 15, 17 nerve for 125 or 210. And they natively have crushing strength. I don't ever see you taking them with that profile, however, because you do have two options. Uh, One is to, uh, for 25 points of the regiment and 40 points at the horde, give them fly and raise their speed to speed 10. Or important here or you can give them thunderous charge one and vicious for 10 and 20 points um and then they can also take indomitable will now beast cav are an interesting unit because we used to not have any true hammers and they gave us beast cav as kind of uh like they're kind of like trying to tempt us into taking a true hammer unit while also not giving us a true hammer unit. it's like a hammer but it's really really small like yeah. try to hit the nail, you might miss a lot because it doesn't. It, with the crushing strength one in the fly option, uh, and if you take the thunder charge one option, so crushing strength thunder charge one and vicious, you don't have fly. So it's sort of like 
in, in, in my mind, now I haven't played with these, so let me preface it by saying that, but Speed 7 is a waste, right? Like Speed 7 is like not cavalry, but just better than infantry. I think this needs, I think you have to take the fly option for these guys. So like if it was like, if it was like Thunderous Charge 1, Vicious and Wild Charge or something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Rob. I ignore the Thunderous Charge and Vicious option, and I look at that flaw. Unless you're doing like all Beast Cav or something mm-hmm. silly where your whole line speed seven, you look at them, and if you squint really hard, they kind of look like Dracon Riders. <laughs> well, yeah, so, crushing strength one, right? So. Yeah, was, my, my point is, I think they looked at all the other factions' large Cav infantries and said, let's Kingdoms of Men fl- deflavor this a little, I guess. Or let's give these entries kingdoms of men treatment. And that's how you take Dracons and end up with these. Or you take Frostfangs and end up with these. Or even worse, the direct comparison with League of Roridia, the good beast cav, and you end up with these. Like Honor Guard are just like better cavalry because there's because no Honor Guard are speed seven. They're speed seven. They're still. Yeah. But but importantly, they're 16, 18, and go to 18, 20 with the ubiquitous Rally 2 Lightning Bolt engine. Uh, where, where Kingdoms of Men, if you look at the rally options, just don't have that with a Monarch because, keyword, not knight. If they were knights, I, I, I would be all over these guys. Yeah. Right? A flying yeah. hammer unit? Yeah. Because, I mean, 17, 19 nerf? Now we're talking. I still think that Beast Cav are relevant. I'm intrigued by the regiment options for, for like, the reason that they're fairly cheap and people have had a lot of success with like soul flayer type units with those flying kind of hitty hammers and they have that same attack profile just thunder charge one they don't have any of the benefits of that but i i think that they are a legitimate option in the in the the horde i would agree and i'm bashing on them a good bit <laughs> but you know because they got the the kind of the the kingdoms of men treatment of the large cav entries now all that to say we've been talking a lot about different kingdoms of men units that aren't as good but have good value and are able to leverage other units to kind of help support them and overcome uh, kind of the the lower stats they have. And yes. this is exactly that too. I've tried the flying ones and you really have to go with those. Plus it, it goes right back to the Knights. It, it's like a beefier version of the Knights or a little bit different in, in, in the slower speed seven vicious ones or a faster version with the flying ones. And you got to throw, you know, something else in there to do the one and. Uh, in, in that use, they, they are a little bit more of a de- more dependable version of the knights, in, in my eyes. Honestly, I'm taking them as a build your own hammer unit. Like I, I'll take them for that 250, and then I'll put items on them because I think you got to. So they're you know. So what I've done is I've taken my old masters list uh, with the two knight regiments, and I've tried subbing out the knight regiments for different combinations of these. And what I've found, they're a little bit more points. So you have to drop something somewhere else, like a piece of chaff or whatever. Um, but you know, they're a horde, so they give you two unlocks, <laughs> which is always good. And yeah, they, they hit a little harder in, in the, the, than the Knights generally. And I just try to keep them a little cheap, maybe give them Jesse's boots or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they work well in that role. If you're expecting what, you know, you get out of a Knight regiment in these, then, then you're doing good. If you're expecting Dracons or Hellstrikers or, you know, Frostfang hordes, you, you're doing it wrong. Yep. Mike McCready does ask, you know, just in general, I think you guys touched on it pretty well. You know, Beast Cavalry, how do they stack up after the Big Red Book? I think the big thing in the Big Red Book, obviously, they got rid of the oversight of not having Indomitable Will. They have Indomitable Will now, so that's great. Which is huge. Yeah, I feel like the Indomitable Will thing was an intentional decision because I thought they might be a little too good with it. And then they 
people are like, oh, they're not too good, so we gave them Indomitable Will. Um, I, I think Indomitable Will is an auto-include on them. I'm- 100%. <laughs> well, especially they're going to be out flying usually, hopefully, by themselves somewhere on a flank. Oh, that's another thing. Before the big red book, Honor Guard and Rodia could take Indomitable Will and Beast Calf couldn't, which just like further emphasized that gap. And now that gap has slightly closed a little bit. Because we can take them out, so. Well, let's get into war engines. That's that's what this army does pretty well, I think. All right. Crack those so knuckles, get, get ready to talk. Exactly. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the ballista, <laughs> and then we'll let you guys take the siege and cannon. But this so is the ballista. Obviously, it doesn't matter that it moves, honestly. Uh, but it's range four, defense four, 40-inch range, blast D3. It's piercing two with reload. That's great. Two attacks hitting on fours. The trick is, though, it's only 60 points. <laughs> it's 60 points. Now... You're saying piercing two. Well, you know what's scared of piercing two? Greater air elementals because they're defense four. Yeah. You know, the fact that it hits on fours. So what? I'm in cover. Great. I hit you on fives. So it's sort of like a discount siege artillery. Now I know uh, it's only piercing two rather than three, but you don't need it against. Well, I guess what I'm saying is now that this is cheaper, I think it fills a role of, Hey, I want to shoot chaff. Like against uh, an Abyssal Dwarf player I played yesterday. No, what did I play? I'm playing Wednesday. He had dogs and gargoyles. Like this is like a great little thing to shoot at those guys, right? Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you can hit them on fours, I mean, blasty three, you're going to hit once. You're probably going to have one, you know, maybe two or three wounds. It's it, it's effective because you're probably, whatever hits, if you're shooting chaff, you're, you're probably going to wound. I don't, have you guys tried this yet? The, the 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 cheaper ballista, not with this army, but because uh, bolt throwers across the board have been cheapened. Uh, my local player Josh Lenfoon is a big fan of them, and honestly, looking at the, I hadn't looked at ballista until now. I have not tried it, but it looks very. I'm actually very interested in it at that sixty point price point. So I'm probably going to experiment with it some. I haven't tried the newer lower cost version of the ballista, but I have used them in the past, and what I found is they do great against stuff that's not defense six. They fill like an overlapping role with like your bowmen or your crossbow blocks or your rifles. Um, so if if you don't have enough of those things, uh, this slots right in and kind of, or you know helps and assists those with some overlapping fire at whatever they're shooting at. Uh, generally, the the bowmen don't do great against defense six, uh, but so yeah, the, the ballistas are kind of have a similar target selection uh, to what the bowmen go after uh, versus maybe some of the other artillery we're going to talk about. And Duncan Shab did ask, I don't know, from just the points per wound output, the ballista is great. Not sure why it's not used much. Yeah, it's stationary, but versus defense four, it's points per wound is 36 versus Glade Stalkers 50. 100%. Like, if you choose the right targets for this thing, it's great. It's amazing, right? right? The problem is, I mean, it's like anything in this list, right? You're better off taking a mixed approach. Take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. I've been taking two in my list, and it's been it's been great. Mm-hmm. I know you guys have done it where you're shooting siege artillery at like defense four. You're like, oh man. <laughs> oh no, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> if it's shooting and it's not hitting on sixes, uh, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> as long as it hits, yeah, I'm happy. Right, right. Siege artillery. Why don't you take us through it, Jason? Okay. So siege artillery, it is speed five, which actually can be important sometimes. Range five, melee not, because it can never fight in melee uh, since it's um, a war engine. Uh, defense four. Zero unit strength, two attacks, nerve 911, 90 points. Special rules is artillery strike, range 48, blast D3 plus one, ignores obscured, which is a little bit of a tweak, 
indirect piercing three reload. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a competitive rock thrower. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just that goblins get access to this now. Uh, here's our version, and it, it's really priced aggressively, I think. It's, you know, not horrible nerf like some of the, you know, 810s. It's all right. It's not great at 911. Can't really take a punch, but that, that's not why it's here. You know, the, the ignores obscured versus ignores concealed. Uh, we can get into that a little with the next unit entry, but yeah, ignores obscured is just generally going to be better across the board. Uh, there, there can be use cases a little bit more niche where you need that ignores concealed, but this is your go-to takeout defense five and six war engine uh, that, that you take in multiples. Do you want to explain what the difference is just for people? Okay. Ignores obscured is it ignores intervening terrain and units. It's a lobber. It's lobbing over top of things. Versus ignored concealed is, is shooting straight and ignored concealed, basically a difficult terrain. It ignores it. Right, right. If, if the unit is getting deriving its cover from being 50% or more in the terrain, ignore concealed gets rid of that. Ignore obscures gets rid of pretty much everything else. And, and then I think that's the point, right? Like there's a lot more opportunity to deal with obscured versus concealed on the table. So uh, obscured is the better thing to ignore than concealed. From just a game design standpoint, I do actually kind of like that they differentiated that. 100%. It makes the, it makes these artillery and cannons different. And it's a flavor thing because it makes it makes logical sense. I just think like the wording and stuff is a little bit confusing for people. Yeah, and it hasn't been differentiated prior. So this, this new split is a little bit confusing for some people that are not used to it. But yeah. uh, 100% agree. It, it, it Before the cannons were just better siege artillery. Uh, before that, the cannons were never taken because they didn't ignore cover. <laughs> so it, it, yeah, at least this way, there's a little bit of differentiation and maybe a niche use case for both. Uh, we should say siege artillery is indirect. So once they get yes. within 12 inches, you're done. You're not shooting them. Yep. But honestly, if once they get that close anyways, it doesn't really matter. They've hopefully already done their job. Ideally, yes. Yes. Uh, I have, well, I, I guess, do you mind go on, right. on to the next unit entry? Yeah, please do. Because this is the compare and contrast. Oh. So cannon, speed five, Range 5 up, defense 4 up, which can matter. Two attacks, 9-11 nerve, 100 points, so it's 10 more points than the siege artillery. Um, as we discussed, it has ignored concealed instead of ignored obstructed. Got a blast, D3 plus 1, piercing 3, which is nice, uh, reload, and it also has shattering. And then on top of that, it has a second range profile, which is grape shot. It's 12-inch, um, attacks 10, and it always hits on uh, 6 pluses. And it has a piercing one. So it's kind of like a bad dragon fire or whatever. A bad war trombone. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I think I know what Jason's going to get into. Honestly, that grape shot rule is really good in certain matchups and is the biggest reason why. Like shattering is what a lot of people think why cannons are better than siege artillery or they used to be prior to the meta shift. But honestly, if I played Night Stalkers, I would play cannons as war trombones against them because you're going to be hitting on sixes anyway. So it's it's uh, I, I think that I don't think I take cannons much anymore because I think siege artillery are better than them, especially because they are 10 points cheaper anyway. And I would I, I was between taking cannons or siege artillery prior. I used to run two cannons and one siege artillery to save some points. But I mean, it, to be honest, there, I think cannons are just more situational. Right. Yeah. Uh, in the sense that, like, if you're still shooting a giant, cannons aren't going to take cover against a giant. 
it's what role do you want them in the army? If, if you have problems with flyers, well, and you bring up a good point there, right? Like, which if you wanted somebody to protect the war engine battery, well, maybe you have a cannon in there because cannon can turn and shoot grape shot, right? I mean, shattering you can you can't stack shattering, so if it's shooting with your siege artillery, that you know you hit with the right. can't. Hey, I have shattering now, which shattering is a great rule. And Daniel Bird asks, now that cannons are ignored, concealed, can they still be effective? And so how? Talk to me. I mean, for me, I've been finding like I'll have one cannon and maybe three pieces of siege artillery or two and then yeah. a couple ballistas. I'm not taking three cannons or two cannons like in the past. So for me, I, I was taking prior the obscure concealed change, three cannons and a siege artillery. The cannons, the biggest thing for me, yes, grape shot was great. Uh, when you needed to move up and, you know, something was close, you know, three grape shots would put on layer on some extra wounds. The bigger thing for me was the lack of indirect. Somebody could land that big, nasty monster right in the face. And that's great. You're killing one cannon or one siege artillery out of the fort. Preferably, please kill the siege artillery. Now you're taking three cannons to the face <laughs> because it, they didn't have that indirect. So uh, between indirect shattering and the grape shot, the cannons were, like I've mentioned on several other uh, unit entries, just that great, great indisposable utility piece that could just do so many different things. Didn't score, um, but yeah, that, that's why the cannon was great. With this recent change, uh, it, it, it's your siege artillery is going to be like your broad area denial um, of yeah, you're just you're not you can't poke anything out over here. Whereas I think the cannons are just shooting its stuff head on. Uh, they can't they can't really target particular units. They have to just take whatever is in front because they're going to take that. Cover. Whatever I can see, we'll take it. Yeah, it's and, not and, and, if, and if it's a difficult yeah. terrain, then that's a viable target for a cannon. Yeah. Beforehand cannons, you didn't have to, um, you didn't have to, like, you could just, like, if you really wanted to, and a lot of times just for, like, trickery and deployment, I would just throw my three cannons down where they had shooting lanes. And I mean, like, okay, objective-wise, you got to deploy something there. And now I might deploy my cannons a little bit more carefully because not only do you need those shooting lanes... You also need to be like, okay, am I actually going to get... You, you have to kind of play a little bit more carefully so you can get those shots now. While Siege Artillery, you're shooting above things, it's going to be a lot easier because you don't have to worry about the intervening models as much. 100%. It, it For me, it changed... Oh, sorry, trains in the background. <laughs> for me, it changed it from an aerial denial weapon where I would cover two-thirds of the board by turning it at a 45-degree angle uh, and hiding it behind bowmen or some other unit to where, you know, even individuals couldn't hit it for three turns to it, it's got a have to pick the cannons now have to pick a lane. So you want area denial, that's your siege artillery cannons. You need to line those things up and have non obscured shots at whatever's coming down that path. Uh, they, they really can't do area denial because they'll take cover penalties from hills and other units and things like that. So it, it's, it's switched to a completely different role for me. For me, all this, all the changes to, con to cover really just change the mix of what I'm taking. Yeah. Yeah. I actually used to take a siege artillery because, like, even before the change, I think if you need a 10-point reduction, siege artillery is great. Like, I, I took two cannons and one siege artillery for what I was running before. I think cannons are still fine. I think, I, I think that, like, if I'm taking the standard, like, if I'm just taking three war machines, I'm probably just going to take three siege artilleries or maybe two and one. So siege artillery have gotten slight priority now. Well, let's move into chariots. Justin Berg asks, why are basic humans the only army that can use chariots? But there's no chariot heroes. That's a good question. Because I guess he's alluding to the fact like an Empire of Dust army, their chariot heroes are pretty good. And why don't we have something equivalent? 
Even that. Goblin King on Chariots, great uh-huh. in Goblins. Like elves, the that that was the bane of existence for a little while. Those um, fast hitty uh, hero units that uh, had unit strength one. I I don't know. It, it would be nice. Do any of you guys use Chariots? Have you ever used Chariots? No. Back well <laughs> before they nerfed the shooting. Yes, uh, well, I've played around with them, uh, and then I also played Scorchwings when they were more chariot esque when they had sixteen attacks uh, and same on shooting versus hand to hand. So uh, between like actual elf chariots and the, the scorch wings, I've played with them a decent amount. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you know, it, it just kind of falls into the chariot trap post nerf. They unlock. That's, that's true. They unlock. They're speed nine, so they're faster than some other chariots. Sorry, we didn't read out the entry. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're speed yeah, yeah. nine, melee four, <laughs> range five, defense four, and they come in a troop, regiment, horde, or legion. One, two, three, four, unit strength. Eight, 12, 16, and 20 attacks. Nerve 11, 13, 13, 15, 15, 17, and 19, 21. At 115, 145, and 80, and 210, which is cheaper, right? All the, I think, chariots across the board got cheaper. Uh, and Thunder is charged two. And then they have a short bows with 18 inch range, but they only have four, six, eight, or 10 shots with steady aim. And so I, they don't, for me, they don't get any play. I have played EOD and I like EOD chariots and they're very different units, but I'm just going to like do like devil's advocate here. That shooting, the, the, the thing about chariots and the reason they were incredibly powerful prior to the nerf was that they could do everything. Yes. They had the speed. They were not super expensive. They had the shots like like they were their biggest weakness was that massive unit footprint. And I'm looking at the chariots regiments are 145 points. You get 12 attacks. Yeah, you're hitting on four. Yeah, you've got thunder's charge too. Like six shots. Like you might do a wound maybe like you get enough chariots like Matt Carmack has had a lot of success with his EOD chariot list in Texas. And like our chariots now that they unlock, I think that they're actually like a real unit and not a fake unit that's included in there um to trick people but i i i still don't see a situation where i'm gonna take them but they don't look like i'm looking at them now and i'm like they're not that bad like look at the legion like 20 attacks 210 points it unlocks it's got 1921 nerve you get 10 shots i i could i could see using it especially because it's speed nine that's pretty good speed yeah it doesn't seem that bad i think i think they've gotten better yeah i just think there's better options agreed it's like it wants to be a good utility piece and do a little bit of everything, but post nerf they 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 knocked it down about ten or fifteen percent in effectiveness too much <laughs> for for some of that utility. It's it's like it could get there, and you know, kingdoms of men like we've been saying, I, I really like picking out those utility pieces, and this could be one if they kind of not take it back to where it was, but you know, just just give it a little bit of a boost. I mean, honestly, I'm looking at like having a one of Legion, depending on your list, couldn't be couldn't be that it wouldn't be that terrible. 210 points. I think I think you can make a legitimate I think you can make a legitimate argument for it. Just like, you know, in the like uh Shannon Shoemaker style goblins where he'd run the goblin legions, like or the goblin chariot legions. Now they're cheaper still, but I I, I think they could be I think they could be re- reasonable now that they unlock. Like I am not the man to try that, but if I saw somebody had, who had success with charioteers in a tournament playing Kingdoms of Men, I would also not be surprised. I, I would love to see somebody come up with a good list that included chariots. It, it'd be great if it happened. <laughs> exactly. But I also want to win the lotto. So exactly. Yeah. Well, let's get in and talk about monsters. Let's start with the Mammoth, which is a monster chariot, height five, speed seven, melee four, defense five. It's a uh, unit strength one, 12 attacks, dash 18, which is, which is nice, 220. Uh, for points uh it's got brutal crushing two rampage 
Malay D6, Strider, Thunderous Charge 2. Let's just be honest. Thorburn asks, is there ever a reason to take a Mammoth over a Giant? The answer is no. Only benefit that the Mammoth has is that it is fearless. But really, does that matter if you're getting into combat with the Giant? He's got Fury. Fair. And the fact that you are on a Chariot base, so your center, your center point is a little farther. So when you pivot, you can... You can maybe get around stuff a little easier, but he's only height five. So, I mean, maybe that's a, maybe that's an advantage to you because versus height six of the giant, you'll get cover more often in this list. I am never going to take a mammoth. I'm taking a giant or two every time for me. Like, do you have a model that only fits on a mammoth base size and you want to run a giant? The other thing that's negative here is it's rampage. You have enough stuff to kill infantry and cavalry. What you don't have is those big ribblies <laughs> that are defense, you know, defense sticks, earth elementals, for example. That's what you need. And, and and crushing two, thunder two, yes, on the charge, you're gonna get it, but on the counterplay, you're gonna lose it. And the giant gets the option to also exactly. take Exactly. if you really want it. I never see an I I like other than modeling, I don't see a reason to take the mammoth ever. So there is, I think, a very, 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 very niche thing you could do with them that you can't do with the giants. The giants being on the Titan 75 by 75 cannot fit in a cav line perfectly. Whereas the chariot base at that hundred millimeter depth, you can slide one and not worry about flanks in between multiple regiments of cav. And they're a little bit shorter on the 50 mil frontage versus the 75. The, it doesn't seem like it'd be, you know, 25 mils isn't a whole lot except when it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's it. I, the, the giant entry has more flexibility. Um, you know, it's just generally better uh, except in that one kind of particular use case on frontage uh, and the depth fitting into a, you know, being a blocking unit, basically. Well, I'm thinking about the the mammoth and the ogre list. W- one way I have used it is he's a big base, right? He's got a big flank. You can turn him and make, you know, if you have like some weak chaff coming at you, you can turn it. And it's a much, you know, 100 versus 75, right? You can block line of sight a little easier, maybe, but giant every time. I could take it. All right. So the El Gigante has speed seven, is melee four up. He's got a defense of five. He has he's one unit strength because he's just a big old dude. Um, he's got D6 plus eight attacks, 1820 nerve, and is 225 points. So he's only five more points than the Mammoth. He has brutal crushing four. So Earth Elementals beware. And he has Fury and Strider. Um, and then he's got free options, uh, which is kind of cool because I like that it. I like that these options correlate to the kit, which is cool. It's kind of a yeah. fun way where he's got the cleaver, D six melee or rampage, D six melee. I think you almost always give him slayer. Jat Circus, rampage or slayer for giants. You're crushing four. Right. You're not going to go at infantry. What, what what infantry is you know uh, defense six? Oh, uh, you got Dwarves. salamanders. have got ancients, right? That's Dwarves. It. That's it. Dwarves the, the Iron Guard. But you you already have stuff to tie up that. What you need is, how do I get those big, large infantry, large cavalry monsters knocked out? And this, you take Slayer every time. I do. I, I agree. The number of times you have other units that could take care of cav and infantry, yeah, it, you're, you're generally going to have that role field where you're not going to maybe need need the Rampage. You need, you need the Slayer more often than not. Uh, I just... It's still nice to have the option, though. I, oh, I get yeah, what you're yeah. saying, yeah. Michael. It's nice to have the option. But if you take Rampage, you're nuts. Right. <laughs> well, your, your build could call for it. You never know, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you knew going in who you're playing, for example, and they don't have anything that would take advantage of Slayer, 
then maybe you do. Uh, okay. Yeah, maybe that's the bad matchup. And hot take here: if you're going to take Rampage, just take the Mammoth because uh, be cool. <laughs> well, from a thematic standpoint, you know, you think about it. We've been talking about how Kingdoms of Men is is that list for the historical players. Well, if you got an Indian army, you've got you know the the, the guys riding the elephants. Well. That, that's kind of a mammoth dude we're elephants are like one of the coolest things about history it's great mm-hmm. well, that, i mean so from that standpoint that'd be a reason to take a mammoth from a theme standpoint but from like modeling standpoints honestly if i if i have a werewolf and i'm gonna try to fit them on a 75 mil and just call them a giant let's take a quick commercial break and on the other side we're gonna get into the most important part of the kingdoms of men list the heroes we'll be right back hey this is Ash barker from gmg and you are listening to counter charge Welcome back to Countercharge, and now it's time to get into some heroes. We'll start with this question, and then I know Jason is just chomping at the bit because he is a lover of fine heroic intervention. Alfred Anderson asks, which Kingdoms of Men hero is the most heroic? I would say the guy with the name Hero is the most heroic. Obviously. Obviously. that's It's in, it's in his name. But you guys have a better answer? The, the mounted hero hero. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's, it's the same entry. Just put them on a mount, you know. Depending on your definition of heroic, I would I would go with that. But because he's so brave and he just throws his life away mm. while only having three attacks, if like that's that's pretty heroic. Yes, many many a time I have lost my mounted hero with with indomitable will, uh, hurling himself into uh, many a, a giant uh, or large infantry or large calf horde. Let's jump in. We'll talk about the general, which is uh, hero infantry height two, speed five. Malay three, defense five plus. He's five attacks, 12, 14, and nerve and 85 points. He's got crushing strength one, individual, mighty, and very inspiring. He's kind of the non-unique version of the captain. You can mount him on a horse uh, to make him speed eight and becoming cavalry for 35 points. So that's 90, that's 120 points. Do you guys take this guy? I, there's too many better options than this guy. It's exactly that. He falls into the non-specialized medium hero trap. He's not super killy like uh, a Varinger, um, Kursun, or you know some of their options, or a vampire. And th- there's a cheaper option that we'll talk about here in a minute. So he, the inspiring's nice, but there's a lot of oh, well, excuse me, very inspiring's nice, but there's a lot of very inspiring. So he, he just kind of falls in that middle for me. If you are taking, if you are wanting the inspiring and specifically want to take the general, you can pay a little bit more points. What is it like, thirty-five more points for the captain? And have that rallying, which basically means like uh, the, the comparison I take is like Banner of the Griffin in second edition was almost an auto include for 25 points. And you're basically just taking a general with that item. And then you also get Master Tactician, which has its own benefits. So I'm like, I am never taking a general. I'm just if I'm if I want that unit profile, I'm just going to take the captain. Yep, probably. If if if. If you had the points for it, that's what you do. <laughs> exactly. And if I'm cutting the points, I'm probably going to cut him down to a hero or a wizard with inspiring talisman or something like that. Yeah. Who wants to take us through hero? I, I can do that one. <laughs> okay. The hero entry. He is speed five, melee three, no range, defense five, uh, zero unit strength, uh, three attacks, 10, 12 nerve for 40, 40 points. The, the low, low price of 40 points. His special rules are crush one individual, the options, which a lot of times you take both. Our indomitable will for five points and mount on a horse and creating speed to eight and cav hero height three for 25. So this guy's awesome. <laughs> 65 <laughs> points, the best value in Kings of War. 70 because you take the indomitable will. <laughs> but yes, because he doesn't, yes. he does not have inspiring, which is a, 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 you know, a problem too. Correct. So yeah, you would definitely want, you would definitely want the indomitable will. 
when I've taken this guy, he is my, you know, goblin whiz slash war machine slash, hey, I didn't spend 150 points to go and, you know, kill a 100 point unit. I spent, uh, you know, two thirds of that unit cost, you know, 75 or 70 to go after that, that little backline score or whatever. 70 points to annoy my opponent. Yes. Or, or now quite literally win the game, uh, like claw shots, um, you know, things like that. They often get left back there undefended, and that hero, more often than not, can win it out against a claw shot or something like that. Yeah, great, great little utility piece. And then, of course, the throw your life away <laughs> into the large infantry, large cav, hope you get a hit to, to disorder them and lock them down. Happens sometimes, not always. And if you don't believe us that they're great, Tom Annis has the max amount in his list, so they must be good, because a dojo player is not going to bring a suboptimal list. <laughs> Bring orcs. I feel like orcs has a lot of overlap with our list. Um, the crusher or crudger, whatever the cheaper one is, they're they're great. Sixty five points for a little annoying chaff piece. Like they're that's just it's just a good option. Like I I personally um, to quote um, me and Rob mutual friend uh, Dylan Scribner or Dylan Murray. I don't take individuals. I don't take non-scoring units very often, but if I was going to take a non-scoring unit, I'm going to take the hero because they're great. And and, uh, important note too, tricky avoid terrain shenanigans. This guy's perfect for it. Uh, You mount him, you throw him on the edge of the wood, and now all of a sudden uh, your cow... You stop at him. Yep, your cow doesn't uh, touch that wood when they're sliding over to try to center. And and now that portion of the caterpillar is gone... You know, maybe maybe look at the hero again because uh, you need some terrain uh, mitigation. Uh, but yeah, I, I generally agree. The the problem with the hero, while he's great, while he's super cheap and can be super annoying and useful, uh, is the other heroes that score. Also, unlocks is like if I'm taking these guys, I want to take a, I want to take like two or three of these guys just to like go around and just be annoying and have them everywhere. And like hero unlocks are what I struggle with the most on this mm-hmm. list. Agreed. Well, next up, we have the Army Standard Bearer, Speed 5, Malay 5, Defense 4, uh, 1 Attack, 9-11, Nerve, 50 points, and that, which is great because he's got very inspiring, which is amazing, and you can mount him for 25 points. So 75 points for a mounted very inspiring bubble is not bad. Honestly, the only time I take this guy it, on foot for sure is if he's going to babysit the, the, the battle line of infantry, and he's got the loot of insatiable darkness. He's just back there to drop a bane chant. That's I, I don't there's so much other better inspiring sources in the list. So I don't know. Do you guys use the Army Center Bear very much? Almost never. <laughs> for, for exactly that reason. Now I, I do have to say I tried them with um the fireball item for heroes only. Uh in the everything in this list has to shoot list, uh just to be cute, and it, it wasn't great. Uh you you know, I just needed some very inspiring because I wanted some inspiring to keep some of the other shooting units around, but it, it, it didn't even shine there. Uh, I, I, there was a while where I was taking a foot wizard Bane chant to like babysit my lines. Um, and I was like, I could just take this guy with loot and then be able to inspire. So it's funny, I, it's funny you say that. Cause that, that's like, if I do have an infantry standard bearer or a wizard, I flip flop between the two, but the wizard, if I'm going to do this, I got to take the inspiring talisman. Right. And it's like, ah, I got lightning bolt, but he ends up being pricey. I end up just going, man, just give this guy the loot. You know, 75 points. He's sitting behind your battle line, inspiring everybody with a heroic flag. He makes you stronger in combat. I would be surprised if I took him in any list recently. Just, I, I think I think Army Standard Bearers are kind of a relic from second edition, to be honest. Well, like we said, uh, like I said at the beginning, too, very inspiring is big deal. It You've is. got nine, nine. Well, what I mean is 
you don't need as many of them. So that it kind of makes these guys, unfortunately, out of the list. Because yep. right? you have other you have other people that can do the same thing. It is nice that he has it, despite being cheap. Just like in second, when you could take um, inspiring talisman on the wizard, and it gave him very inspiring. Well, Michael, uh, wait, take us to fanatic instigator. Instigator, love instigating. Uh, we already talked about Chris Davies earlier, so so he's got speed five, melee three up, defense four up. Um, so he's got a little bit of a defense there. Six attacks, read them, six attacks, dash 14 nerve, 85 points, uh, crush one, individual, mighty, wild charge D3, and then he's got uh, rallying one for berserker only, which I believe is just fanatics. So for 100 points, you get the uh, rally bubble for fanatics. I've never taken him, but I I imagine if you're taking a bunch of fanatics, he's a must buy. I I haven't taken him. I've played against him, and it was exactly that, an all fanatic list. So if you took uh, him and the captain, would that stack? Yeah. Yeah, so plus two. Oh, okay. Uh, this is in Brother Mark, but they have cheap heroes, um, the chaplains, who you can take a rally bubble for lane only. And I, I, I ran a list with three of them for a while um, with that just like having a bunch of rally one around. So if I feel like if we had more berserkers, I'd be more tempted to like take that option. Like if we had like a fast berserker, like if giving the beast cab the thunder one and vicious made gave them the berserker keyword or something like that. I, I feel like there's I, I feel like there's just not quite enough synergy just to take it with just fanatics, even with my fanatic loving heart. But running this guy with wings because he has six attacks is like that six attacks is pretty nice. Like six attacks, yeah. 14 nerve. If you want to fight the individual, he's pretty good. Well, we're going to talk about the assassin. I mean, I, I'm I'm I am more I, 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 I the assassin's my jam. Yeah. Conroy does ask, is the fanatic instigator one of the best individuals on foot? In the game for its points. I mean, 85 or 100 with Rally 1 for Berserkers. He's pretty it, He's pretty resilient. If you're running the Berserkers, maybe. He almost he falls into that kind of middle flighty hero trap for me. Where he's not doing significantly more than the mounted hero. Uh, and he costs a decent amount more. And then you ha- he has no mount option to give him the speed. So then you throw a 40-point item on him uh, to give him fly. And then now he's dropping in defense. <laughs> so, it's also not inspiring which is a thing right. too. And the fearless is nice, but you've got indomitable will for five points on the hero. So it, it, he just doesn't do enough more than the hero costs more and um, doesn't hit the high end, super choppy and individual level. Though. He's fine. I don't know. I, I don't see taking him. If I do take him, I'm going to take him with wings and the rally option. Well, let's talk about the assassin. Cause I have used two of these uh, in many lists over the years. So the assassin speed six, Malay three range four defense four. Uh, he's got five attacks, 10, 12 nerve, 80 points, crushing strength, one duelist, individual, stealthy, vicious, throwing daggers, 12 inches with piercing one. Uh, and you can take indomitable will this guy with the wings. Actually, I would take one with the wings and one with the boots. Ah. Just piss people off because he's the answer to like those individuals you want to kill. Some of the bigger ones, Mikhail and stuff, you're probably not going to take them out because they're, no. they're nervous too high. Low end like necromancers or um, like support casters. Yeah, support casters pop them all the time. And when you give him the wings, what's interesting, or even without the wings, he's got five attacks at 12 inch range, hitting on fours with piercing one. You can use them to kill chaff, right? Like if it's like dogs coming at you or beast pack, you you mm-hmm. you, you potentially could get three or four wounds and get a get a nice nerve roll and pop them. Like you're not going to shoot him off with individual and stealthy. No, no. He, he, if he dies, it's going to be the hand to hand or melee. Yeah. Or 
If you're like me, I'm so stupid. I, I never, I always forget to pop the indomitable will. So he has inspiring because he's out on his own. Cause like I'll throw him into a giant or something. And I know, all right, he's going to get killed, but he, you know, some flyer he's going to, he's going to ground the dragon for a turn, which buys me what I need. And I'm like, Oh, I forgot to pop indomitable will. So now I'm not inspired. So now I die. Yeah. I, I, I use them for their ranged attack. Um, and I would take three. And if I had the points, um, I tried playing around with a disruptor with wings. The the three can combine together to get fifteen attacks that hit on fours with piercing one and vicious, which is is not bad at all. <laughs> uh, it's expensive for the shooting, but it gives you a nice little. Um, it's a utility piece, though. Yeah, yeah. You could do. Uh, you don't. Uh, oh, oh! Here comes an individual. Great! I got something for you. Right now, now the thing I've found them where they fall down is exactly what we're talking about for support pieces, like little individuals. The duelist is great. You're still not even guaranteed to kill a whiz because if you think about it, even you going up to ten attacks, hitting on threes, you're going to hit six, seven times. Fours, uh, and, on, and four. Oh no, fours, sorry, sorry, th- threes. You're right, you're right. Threes with vicious, right? Yeah, yeah, hit on threes, but then you know he's got he's got crushing strength one with vicious, so you're probably going to do four or five wounds, maybe. Yep. And if they're ten, twelve, you yep. still got to roll some dice. Yeah, and, and uh, so if if I take the assassin, it's the wings and disruptor to be the backfield hunter, um, and just a more expensive, basically version of the hero. Uh, or I take you know two or three because the the focus of the list is to get some very concentrated shooting. So you know taking like three of them uh, with uh, like the mounted scouts or something that that gives you a lot of little focus, concentrated piercing one shooting that can move around the board, uh, but not I, I don't use them often. I feel like they could work, but I've just, I feel like t- again, taking three of them is probably how I would play it, but they, they don't score particularly pricey, like 85 points is, is kind of worth it. They don't inspire. And yes, they have that flexibility, but I almost would kind of want them to be like a, have a more defined role in that army. But I think that they're a lot of fun and I would love to, I think that anytime I've built a uh, just a, li- a list to just like, have fun with them, I've I've included an assassin because they're a very fun unit to play, and I think they can be effective. Hundred percent. The the one with wings is just fun to play. <laughs> He's doing something every turn. I've got a great witch hunter model that I use for it when I do it. It's just like yeah, he'll just like fly zip around the board. It's like yeah, it's, it, it, I think they're they're definitely a fun unit, and they, and they serve a role. The mistake I made when I first tried them, I, I was thinking they would fix my get bogged down by a big individuals problem that were super kill and they don't, they don't do that. So if you dispel that illusion uh, and use them for something else, they they can do that. Duelist is a little bit of a trap sometimes because you, you are like, Oh, I'll sweet. I'll go get the, I'll go go kill their individual in their backline with my duelist character. And you're like, Oh, I uh, just disordered it. Or I just wavered it. That's, that's cool. (laughs) And and sometimes that's what you need, right? If you're playing the force of nature, you guys shot the druids down, uh, but you're always going to lose this guy. Yeah, because <laughs> eventually they're going to get into you with something that it's meaty, right? And it's like he's just there to piss people off. He's got the silver medal for most heroic after the hero. Absolutely. Who wants to take us through the wizard? I can do that. Uh, so wizard, uh, he's base hero infantry spellcaster level one, uh, speed five, melee five, no ranged, um, defense four, um, unit strength zero, but that'll change in a minute. Uh, one attack, uh, ten twelve nerve for f- the bargain basement price of fifty points. Uh, special rules is just individuals. Uh, and then spells. This is going to be a long list of upgrades after this. He comes base with Fireball 6, but that usually never stays because uh, here are your options. Uh, in options, you can mount him for 25 points for Hero Cav for Speed 8. The one that's more often taken uh, is mount him on a Pegasus, losing the individual, gaining Fly Nimble, 
as well as increasing to speed 10 and changing to large cav height four, unit strength one for 35 points. So for 10 points more, you, you get a scoring flying unit. Um, then the spell options are Bane Chant for 20, Heal for 20, uh, Lightning Bolt 3 for 20, or Replace Your Fireball for free, and Wind Blast 5 for 20. I love this individual. Uh, well, that excuse I love the scoring version of this individual. Right, yeah, yeah. You always have, every time I've seen you, you've had three. 100%. Um, if you look at it, just the base version of it, um, you switch out uh, the Fireball for Lightning Bolt for free, and then you mount them and make them scoring. Uh, so for 85 points, you've got a flying, nimble, speed 10 an harassment unit that is really hard to pin down. Uh, and that gets to contribute three lightning bolts um, just about every turn, unless something's just staring it down and it needs to be safe and zip off 20 somewhere. Um, these things have won me more games than I can count. I also think that, um, so one of the ways I use them is I, they are also just a great chaff piece because they are like, they, you know, on a 50 mil, you can just plop them down in front of something and be like, okay, you can charge my wizard and then I'll get the charge off on you. They're 85 points for a scoring chaff piece that if you don't need it to chaff can just run around the board and lightning bolts and be annoying. Like you're like, okay, a lot of times in Kingdom of Men, I wouldn't finish the kill on something. And then I'm like, okay, cool. I'll just lightning bolt it, do one wound and get that nerve check. Like, yeah. They're absolute money as a scoring unit as a chaff piece pegasus in forces of nature and green lady is one of the best like monster chaff units in the game and like we've got hero on pegasus which fills a similar role but wizard does that and also shoots mm -hmm. and if you need it to um and you need a little bit more punch in your infantry or cav uh and you got the spare points bane chant yeah. or any of the legendary spells <laughs> if you're feeling like it the the other thing i like these things for is a nice little uh tall hex platform so you got some problems with uh, some support casters and they don't have, you know, height four or five or, you know, above four units. Here you go. Especially even if they have like height five and six units. So think greater air elementals, uh, plop one of these on a hill and it's it's stopping that surge or it's going to make it hurt if they do. You can do a lot with it. It's a very, very flexible unit. It's it's the utility piece of utility pieces in the faction that's looking for utility piece units. <laughs> Scores. Yes. It does everything. I literally had a game at one of my last tournaments playing Kingdoms of Men where I just I just had a token and I literally sat him on that token hiding behind a forest the entire game. And that's just like, I have this token. Like, Or you're going to invest in one of your fast units, 200 point units to come over and make this little tiny wizard dude screw off. Like, yeah, can't say enough great things about this thing. Yeah, no, it's 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 so good. I. I have not run three because I'm annoyed by modeling <laughs> with it because it's, it's hard to find that Pegasus mount or make the kit bashing and stuff work. But two or three in a list, like I, I think one is almost auto-include. For, for me, three are auto-include. Yeah. The way I got around the modeling thing, and fun side note about this, I made flying carpets instead of Pegasus. There's nothing to say that it has to be a Pegasus. I saw some, I, I, knew, I knew somebody who had done that. Yeah, the, the, that, it's a great idea. The flying carpets is a brilliant idea. But and, and some fun modeling opportunities to work with plastic card and some other stuff and green stuff so exactly. yeah. well michael you want to take us through the general on pegasus sure a lot less exciting so he's speed 10 melee three up defense five up he has unit strength of one which is good four attacks which is you know he opted on a pegasus and he lost one attack which kind of sucks 12 14 nerve 135 points uh, he's got crush one fly nimble and very inspiring let's, let's be honest, honest no, no one, one takes, takes this guy, guy. You're, you're taking, taking the, the you're taking, taking the 85 point, point cheap, cheap unit strength, strength one, one. Or, or you're, you're upgrading, upgrading it to, to the, the, the general, general on a beast. beast. 
So I'm going to I'm going to do a fix to make this unit takeable and I think it would be maybe a little bit too good. If he had that one more attack, like if he if you just if you got rid of this unit and you made it a 35 point upgrade for the general in the general's profile or even like a 40 point upgrade if you want to match the price different di- differential between them, I think it would be a great fourth general on winged beast at that price point, kind of like right. some people run vampire on Pegasus, but I think having three generals on winged beast and three general on pegasus running around would make a very annoying list to play against and i think that's why they have four attacks instead of five attacks no they, no, have, they have four, four attacks, attacks because you ever try, try to catch, catch pegasus, pegasus it's hard. hard yeah so you, you, you all your concentrations <laughs> on the, is on catching the pegasus and you don't have the concentration you need to have five attacks that's what it is that's true well, that works horses are a lot easier to domesticate <laughs> i 100 agree with everything everybody said it's the four attacks, I, what you want to be doing is hitting flanks or having this as a support. You need a support piece. And that's what I'm looking for for my heroes to help the cav or the infantry hit, preferably in the flanks. And four attacks, just it's not doing enough. And your cav need more help than four attacks to crush one. So yeah, it just, it fails. Um, so it, 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 it can't do the damage output that the other heroes can that we'll talk about. But it's more expensive than the more utility heroes that aren't doing damage output. So what's, what's the point? It falls in the middle. I yeah. If again, if he had if he had just that one more attack, if he had five attacks, I would find him to be a very tempting option for flanks. I don't know, man. One hundred and thirty-five points though is still pretty pricey. No, I agree. I'll, I'll take the eighty-five point version, right? And I'll just use lightning bolt. Yeah, I, like I said, I, yeah. I I would be tempted. I would be tempted, is what I would say. Well, what about the hero on Pegasus? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing, right? Points like, cheaper, it's one more less of the attack. same, right? Like, we're, let's not even bother wasting our time. But Rem asks us, how do the flying heroes compare to their equivalents on our list? I think the fact that we have this wide selection of flying heroes is one of the unique things that Kingdoms of Men has. What do you guys think? How do they compare? I think for flying, just like amount of flying scoring heroes, I think it's one of the strengths of the army. Yes, it, it's exactly that. Even if you look at League of Hordia, they end up paying more for the entry we'll get to here in a second, and that's one of their problems. They can take the wizards, but the other stuff, they don't get the utility cheap buy and get to cram all the stuff in uh, like you can in Kingdoms of Men. The, the only thing I would say about maybe comparison to some other factions that have flying scoring units is um, the goblin wingets, but everybody knows those are a problem. <laughs> uh, so, but next to that, I would say uh, the wizard uh, that's mounted scoring gets kind of the silver medal for, you know, best value buying the game. Well, let's, well, let's jump in and talk about, about the general, general on wing beast. beast and one of my favorite units in, in, in the game. <laughs> uh, so general on wing beast, uh, lots of modern modeling opportunities, just straight out the gate with wing beasts. So uh, take that how you will. Important to note, he is height five and not height six. So um, you can get into some shenanigans there with getting cover from hills and stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, getting onto the profile. Speed 10, melee three, no ranged. Defense five, uh, unit strength one, seven attacks, nerve 14, 16, all for the bargain bargain low basement price of 190 points. Uh, special rules are crush two, fly, nimble, thunder one, and very inspiring. Uh, keywords are beast and human, um, so we can't benefit from some of the rally stuff. That he's a baby dragon. He is a even better than like a dragon baby dragon. It, it, yeah, because he's nimble, which is awesome. Yes. Well, he's he, okay. So a lot has been said on forces of nature about the um, beast of nature with wings and the seven attacks and crush two and pathfinder. He, in my opinion, the general on wing beast is even better. He's got the Thunder 1, uh, so he's got a 3-mod instead of a 2-mod. Uh, yeah, he's going to be hindered, but he also makes up for that with very inspiring. 
and he's even cheaper than the flying seven attack beast of nature. So he, he is like the epitome of utility pieces. He's the perfect end to your knights. So you start looking at this and in the clear, uh, a knight plus this in the front can start consistently or more, more consistently knocking down a defense five, 15, 17 regiment. Preferably though, the knights and when you have three of these things running around, um, especially in a smaller part of the board, you can start setting up some flanks. So knights plus one of these in the flanks. Now, now we're starting to talk about consistently taking out, you know, high teens nerve units. On Winged Beast is, uh, again, one of, uh, I agree with Jason, it's one of my favorite units in the game too. And it is the Halo unit for our army. One of the things we've been talking about throughout this army review is various units are hampered because they are the baseline. They're the bare bones versions. Like the Knights are a bare bones version of the Knights and they don't get that extra additional stuff in their profile. This guy is a bare bones version of a very good Beast of Nature type unit. And the fact that he ha is like 190 points and very he, inspiring and it, very it, inspiring. Yeah. It's <laughs> he so cheap for what he does that if he's even, if he's like a little bit more expensive, a little bit less expensive, he gets like, you know, and loses some stuff. Like he gets, he gets worse, but like, they're just so good. Uh, somebody asked earlier, one of the questions we got was like, is a list without three of them viable? I would say that like, like I answered there, you can take one with three, but I am not taking a kingdoms of enlist without three of them. So I I've been playing with just one because that's all I have modeled. And to answer Ian's Kane's question, should you always take as many generals on wing beasts as you can? Yes. Take as many as you have modeled for. And if you don't have three, make more models. Yes. So side note, the um, uh, Reaper Griffin, that's the squishy plastic or flexible plastic fits perfect that's what mine are based on and then extra stuff on top bonus you can throw them against a wall drop them from a two-story building and they're still good <laughs> uh, i will not advocate for throwing my um carl franz model that's older than me against the wall you might kill somebody if, if it hits them oh it's metal uh, it's very satisfying picking up that metal um fireforge also has a pegasus kit uh, for Fireforge, uh, they're Albion knights that are great for it, um, and you can also use them interchangeably with knights on Pegasus, uh, with heroes on Pegasus too, if you want to use both. Because uh, we didn't mention heroes on Pegasus either. Let's jump in and talk about unique units. Let's start with the Monarch. He's a hero titan, and he's new from the last Clash of Kings, and now it's in the big in the uh, the new Kings of War rulebook from 2022. Speed seven, melee three, five plus defense, unit strength one, ten attack, seventeen, nineteen, nerve, and two thirty five points he has crushing string three very inspiring upgrades with wings increasing speed to 10 and gain fly and nimble for 50 uh, and then you may choose one of the following options chrono chivalry which gives you rally two on knights for 20 points scepter of vigor which gives you vicious berserker aura uh, for 20 points uh, or sword of mercy which you the the model itself gets slayer malay three for 15 points let's be honest if you're taking the monarch which i have uh, your your only the only reason to take it would be to take the crown of chivalry uh, with knights because I I think vicious berserker I, I, uh, it's a lot of points for just vicious I think and you're not going to take it with Malay three because honestly he's not there really well the reason why I take it is he's he's another flyer and, and he's he's rally two but I would say you know Steve Hilder says which monarch is the best monarch uh, what's your best monarch model idea like I said I, I took it because I wanted to try out rally two on the knights. And it's a good thing, right? I mean, your knights are now what? Uh, 
instead of what 14 16 they're 16, 16 18, 18 nerve so that's good with headstrong it is good and, and in terms of model i have a giant manticore from the last miniatures which with a westphalia halfling on it uh which is awesome but it is it's a trap let's be honest it's it's a it's a trap and ian kane says that is is this monarch an expensive list building trap and the answer is yes 305 points it's too much it's too much and what I've recently done is I just mounted the captain. I know he's done fly, but he's still rally one. He's still mighty. And you kind of, he's discounted, right? So, you know, he's 155 points versus 305 points. Big, big difference. And let's be honest, you're taking the captain anyways, because you want the freaking master technician rule. So you can redeploy D three of your own units. So I don't know. Have you guys, I'll try. I mean, I play with them a lot and, and, and I like it. It's, it's fun, but 305 points, man. It's the, it's the dragon tax. And that's the problem it, it, with the change of some of the rules and everything else. There's a reason you're not seeing, uh, you know, the dreaded double dragon list anymore <laughs> and, or even a single dragon, you know, rarely dragon entries, nice and all, but it, it just, the dragons in general have a problem. Now I will say, I, I like this one the most having the ability to take Slayer three, get you, you know, most of the time, most of your targets up to 13 attacks, which would be nice. Uh, the rally two is nice, but yeah, it, it, it falls into the dragon problem. And the, the fact that you're looking at this for like three, 300 plus points compared to the general on wing beast at, you know, sub 200. And if you're going to do like maybe three generals and this, but yeah, it, it, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've, I have not found a great fit for this in any of my list. I, I've tr- I'm trying it with some knights kind of like you, Rob. Uh, but even then, it's running in front as a additional support. And I've still got two generals or three generals on Wing Beast. Let's be honest. He's almost there. If I'm going to spend 300 points, I need Crushing 4. I'll be honest with you. I need Fury. I need something because he's been wavered a ton. <laughs> crushing 3, I still need 3s to hit against Defense 6. If, if he just came with Slayer something, that would be good. Like it, it's 305 points is too much for what you get. That's it. I mean, if it was, if you, if, if they sweet a little bit, maybe I would consider it. But the last couple months I've kind of like soured on them. And like I said, I moved to a, a discount Monarch. Um, and, let, and let's maybe jump right into the talk about the captain. The captain's another unique guy. He's speed five, melee three, defense five. Um, he's uh, five attacks, 13, 15 nerve, 120 points. Crushing strength one, individual, mighty. Rally one, very inspiring. Has the master tactician rule. You can redeploy D3 of your own units after deployment is finished, but before scout moves are made. Uh, and you can mount him for 35 points to get speed eight on a horse. This guy's awesome. I, I, I don't think I've played a game without him. I love the captain. My lists are so packed to the gills with dudes these t- these days that I just don't have room for the captain anymore. But he's one of the things that drew me to the list. Um, unlike the monarch, I think he's worth every little bit of that point. Like the monarch, the main reason you're taking it in my mind, unless you're taking him, like um, is that rally two for knights? Uh, unless you're doing the um, slayer variant, so you're mainly taking him for the rally. The captain's got that rally, and then master tactician is just the icing on the cake, and you can do really fun, funny, entertaining, and actually, like, relevant things with them. And what else is also about this awesome is he's mighty. At Defense 5 and 13-15, I have no problem throwing him into something and be like, all right, most stuff, it's going to take him two, two turns to two get Two turns, home. yeah. He's very inspiring. He gives you all those other things we talked about, and he's a little chaff piece when you need him to be. And yeah. he's rally one. So everybody around him is loving it. 
you put him on a horse to put him next to the Giants and see what the Giants think. And he's rally one. That rally one is not conditional either. He's exactly. rally whatever you want. Yeah. yeah, you can make your knights real boys and have them at fifteen, seventeen. They're real knights. You want to see somebody make somebody cry? Tell them that your giants are like what twenty-one nerf. Yeah, huh. yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. very good with giants because you deploy that giant and you're like redeploy it. Like, oh, it's over here now. Knights. He's great with knights. So here's a little bit of like just like tactical advice for people because of the way master tactician works. Um, with the redeploy, always bet on being able to redeploy. I always say one. I always think right. I'm going to have one you to redeploy. I do too. I do too. I, I'm, I'm like, that's the average. That's the average, right? Is two, is like one and a half. So I have one that I really want and then one that would be a little bit extra. And if I get the one redeploy, whatever. But like sometimes I'll be in a situation where I deploy something bad and I'm just like, sometimes I use his redeploy just because I, I – up in deployment like yeah you think about it he's almost the tax too for things like pike units he's the, he's how you get the pike units to where they need to be because they're not going to put their cavalry in front of the pike unit if they have a choice mm. with master tactician you can make sure that that happens yeah i i love them uh i i just i usually end up having to scrimp for points 120 points a lot right and that's well and mount them more so shots like, yeah, yeah well, more, shots more scoring more scoring generally is what where i end up or one more unique hero, which is the Brigand. Uh, he's speed five, melee three, four plus range, defense four. He's four attacks, 11, 13, nerve, and 75 points. Uh, he's crushing strength one, individual inspiring, recurve bow, 24 inches, piercing one. Uh, and a merry band, the Brigand may only be part may only be taken as part of the formation, the outlaws. Mike McCready asks, is the formation useful or just flavor? For me, it's just flavor. I don't... Same. I mean, it's interesting, but I'm not taking... If I'm taking Bowman... The formation is two troops of Bowman and the Brigand, and you pay 10 points for that. If I could just take the Bowman without the Brigand? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) So honestly, I think the Brigand is what you are getting the formation for, because I think he's, he's actually pretty good. That being said... Like the formation is pretty cheap. It's 235 points, but it it's not any un- none of these are unlocking units, which is where the big thing was. If they were if it was more expensive and they were regiments of bowmen, I think it would be a legitimate option or like w- even like one regiment of bowmen. So like it unlocks itself. One regiment, one troop. Um and it unlocked itself. I'm actually very familiar with this formation because Bless's Soul, one of my locals really wants to make the formation work. And is playing it very consistently, and he really likes it. And he uses the bowman as chaff or like objective sitters. And honestly, I think he's and that brigand does work yeah. for how cheap he is in that formation. He is good. He's the reason you're taking the formation, but it's just it's just not it's not worth it. Yeah, and we should mention that the other benefit of the formation is that the bowman in this formation gains steady aim, which is big. Yeah. And then they get the valley fire unique special rule, which is basically when you issue a halt order, they may choose to gain both indirect fire and ignores obscured. You're not taking troops of bowman. No, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, you take the bowman to unlock. It, it's nice. It's a little flavor unit, I guess. But I rarely have two hundred and thirty-five points spare. Unlocking heroes. They shoot. Brigand does work, like I said. Yeah, yeah. I would prefer an option that you take the brigand separate from it because I think that if the brigand was separate from it, I think for what like he's like what seventy-five points. Uh-huh. I think you probably could take him. Yeah, I think he's legitimate. I think he's legitimately good, but just not as part of the formation. Uh, I was really just dis- uh, honestly, I was really disappointed in this formation when I looked in the book because I thought Kingdoms of Men needed love, and then I saw this formation, and I was if, like, if they were regiments, th- yeah, I might, maybe, I might yeah. really consider it because then you yeah. got at least a un- couple unlocked. If they were regiments, I think it would be, and and you want if they were regiments and you wanted the brigand, I think it's legitimately good. 
Yep. But it's not, and they, they don't unlock, so it's sad. But Well, let's take another commercial break on the other side. We're going to get in talking about how you build this army, how you play it, and all the great stuff to come. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Luke from Luke's APS listening to Countercharge. Welcome back to Countercharge. How would you describe this army in the meta post-2022 changes? I think infantry builds are even hurting more. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's across the board, not just Kingdoms of Men. Slower moving uh, defense four or less units are, are in a, just, I think, a worse place. Because there's you know even more shooting out there um, that's steady aim that can kind of just, well, Glade Stalkers, a perfect example. Shoot back up, shoot back up. So if you're even able to march every turn, uh, they're offsetting that march move of trying to encroach upon you by three inches. So it, it's it's rough. The the other builds uh, aren't as badly affected, but if if your base is around hand to hand infantry, it, it got harder in my opinion. I agree. Um, if I had to describe where we're at in the meta right now, I would describe it as bottom tier. Um, listen, I love this army. I think it's really good, and I think there's legitimately good ways to play it. But I think the infantry build, which is, I think, the draw of the army for a lot of people, is going to struggle. Elf meta that we're in right now, the force of nature, the shooting is very difficult for us. The thing is, is like a counter to those shooting lists is some like really fast lists. So if those fast lists jump up into the meta, then I think our like heavy pike infantry list uh, could shoot up. But like right now. I'm not going to bring Kingdoms of Men to Masters, I don't think. I, I I would bring it to like local tournaments and stuff like that and probably do okay, but I just don't see it being – it's just not the most competitive list right now. It feels like everything else around us got a little bit better maybe or a little bit different, and we kind of – we didn't really – other than the nice getting a little bit cheaper, really we don't have much change. There wasn't a whole lot of change, yeah. been upset because we haven't been changed a lot, and I feel like we needed a little bit of a... Even in the big buff book, we didn't really get we didn't really get buffed much. Now, I, I will say this. I said all that about the hand-to-hand, slower-moving infantry-based builds. I think some of the more mixed arms where you're not really dependent upon your infantry to do the heavy lifting, where you're dependent upon them to maybe just try to stick around and maybe score... <laughs> But other things are doing your damage, uh, are doing your maneuver, are, are really doing the heavy lifting. I, I think those builds are definitely still viable. It's just that you can't expect a lot from your infantry just with the, the current meta, in my in my opinion. Do you feel like with that style of list, you still match up well against the uh, Glade Stalkers in the meta? Depends on what flavor. The Glade Stalkers that don't have Stealthy... Yeah, because <laughs> you, you've got some shooting in there. They're only defense three. Generally, your shooting units, um, you're going to have more of them, and they're going to be more nerve. So you, you come off being a little bit more durable, but not as move and shoot uh, flexible as those Glade Stalker units. The Sylvan Ken are the one exception there. I feel like Twilight can, can depending on the build, because yeah. they have the feel, can uh, do it. Like I feel like you would have an easier time against the true like, Twilight Ken gun line but a mixed arm Twilight can just because the amount of stealthy, like that, 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 that's my only hesitation. I think against like traditional elves, we'd actually be a decent matchup with Dracon because Dracons and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's the stealthy elves that kind of give the shooting element that you're looking to do some of the heavy lifting a problem. And then the Sylvan can have it, the, the second, you know, kind of foot in that soul is the greater air elementals. Uh, which really hamper your positioning piece's ability to kind of start getting in close. You can still do it. You just have to practice it. And it, it takes a lot of practice. There's kind of a 
some golden ranges in there that you have to kind of get used to getting into and, and pulling that off. It got harder in those matchups particularly. Other than that, though, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's about the same. And Paul Collin asks, with the buff to Beast Cav and Knights, plus the huge variety of flyers, deployment shenanigans, and the best special rule, are Kingdoms of Men going to be the new alpha list for 2023? No, that's the answer. Yes, you're 100% right. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> for, for every time we talked about a unit uh, in, in, that we've discussed, one of the unit entries, it's just that we don't have a super hammer. Even our bigger hammers aren't big hammers. So, you know, not, not really. Well, let's talk about building an army. And, you know, Jason, what do you see as the key pieces to making this army competitive? You got to do a little bit of everything. You can't do all shooting. I, I have tried that. And it does not work all the time. Uh, it, it works fabulously sometimes and does not others. So you, you need a mix of unit strength, of some infantry. And that infantry, in my mind, especially in the current meta, just needs to score and try to stay alive or jam up your opponent's units. And then you need some hand-to-hand. And uh, you know, you're probably going to need some of your non-infantry units that unlock to provide some of that base hand-to-hand output. And then it's really all about those support pieces in the monsters, the war machines, and the heroes to kind of bring those units up, to, to assist them and make them capable of popping units in, in one go. Yeah, it's the death by a thousand cuts. It's like what Forces of Nature's old playstyle used to be, where you would like, you need yes. some of those units in the flanks. Like the, when I was playing it, when I was regularly playing it, I, when I was running a bunch of Sphere Phalanxes, like the two, three damage my Sphere Phalanx would do would apply with my fanatics that were next to them and would yeah. i would get hit with a general doing the general's things and like you know like unless even the generals coming in unless they're coming in a rear they're not going to kill something and even if they get that rear they're not even guaranteed then sometime yep you need to be hitting them from every angle and using every bit of your points that you have um you know compared to like goblins or ratkin you can't necessarily depend on all shooting you don't have the bodies so it's it's you gotta have some medium expensive bodies you got to have some shooting. You got to have a little bit of quality, but not great quality. And you need some numbers, but not goblin numbers. It's it's like this sweet spot you got to find somewhere in there. We don't breed as quick as goblins. No. <laughs> if you play like goblins, you're going to lose. Yes. So Rem asks, what are the first things you spend your unlock on? And, and, and my two cents here would be, it's that infantry horde. Uh, that's good. You know, what, what, how are you building the army is, is all going to start with that first unlock. I, I can already tell you Jason's Bowman. Yes. <laughs> It depends. I've actually been experimenting with Bowman myself, but I intentionally was like, I am going to build a list that I think is competitive, but probably radically different than what Jason's list is, so we can have some list variety. So in this list, my first unlock was uh, foot guard hordes. So uh, whatever big infantry hordes uh, you want. And, and traditionally, I, I'll, I'll typically do a pike horde. That's just like it's my thing, right? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna have it. And I'm hopefully going to get it in the right matchup to make someone's life miserable. But most of the time, they're going to get shot off the table, and I would have been better off with the shield. It is so satisfying having somebody charge your pikes, thinking they're going to do a lot of wounds, and then do nothing. Because so many people forget about ensnare. There's two ways you can handle defense six. You can kill it. We don't have a lot. You got giants. (laughs) But the other thing you can do is you can sucker those earth elementals to hit your your, uh, pike horde. Just keep backing them up and just... And snare and snare and snare, you know, because they're hitting on fours, it goes to fives. You know, that that's won me some games where you can tie up that defense six grindy unit. All right, so Nicholas Espinito asks, what is the viability of a list that is solely historical units without a single fantasy element? Uh, meaning no flyers, no casting, 
uh, just good old fashioned pike and chop? The answer is it's not viable. Not if you want to win. If you want to have fun, you can have fun, but you're not going to win. I yeah. think it's viable, just not fun. Because I think if you ran like 10 Bowman hordes. Well, you're right. If you wanted to do a complete skew list, what Jason said before, you have, you'll have matchups where it's going to work and then there's going to be matchups where it's not going to work. Yeah. It worked for the English at Agincourt. You can you can run a lot of Bowman. Yeah, but the, but at Agincourt, there wasn't Night Stalkers with Stealthy. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Scenario-wise, what's your favorite scenario when you're playing Kingdoms of Men, Jason? Anything objective-based. G- generally, well, let me rephrase. Anything objective-based when I outdrop my opponent. So if I'm not playing goblins, objectives are great. <laughs> uh, I think we play most scenarios well. If it's a very static army like dwarves, I like the scenarios where I can spread out and like go run and grab an objective at the end of the game. So I, I concur with Jason on that one. But I think we play every objective. I, I think we play every scenario well. I agree with you. My favorite, though, believe it or not, is like where an exact in, in a scenario where I know where you got to be. So like if it's dominate, it makes setting up the artillery line and the infantry line. When I played infantry, push was difficult. If I'm going with a difficult scenario, push was push was hard because it was hard to get those. Invade was fine, but just getting those tokens across the board was a little bit difficult sometimes. So put, I, I struggled with push a little bit. Well, invade is difficult, though, if you're playing a lot of infantry. With invade, normally, like, if I get the first turn, I'm going to be across the board at the end of the game anyway. But push, for some reason, because it's basically invade, but with loot tokens, I couldn't... Yeah get my flyers to grab those tokens and then fly over right like because at least if it's push i'm gonna have my three generals alive on the other side of the board i'm also not a fan of loot just because the stuff that's fast i don't want picking up tokens because <laughs> then they lose the nimble and the fly right and that means i'm picking up with infantry and and they're slow i was fine with loot just put push was the loot tokens plus that because the thing is we don't get slowed down elves get slowed down by the loot token yeah terrain what do you guys think? You guys like lots of train, a little bit of train. What's what's your uh, the answer here? Uh, you you need to be ready for everything. <laughs> I think a a good medium mix of train. Uh, you don't want it too sparse. You don't want it too heavy. Generally works out well, I- at least in that mixed kind of little bit of infantry, little bit of faster stuff, and a good bit of shooting. Uh, it it gives you some areas for particular units to kind of work well in. With my infantry builds, give me cover, please. Since we're counter punching most of the time with the infantry. I just assume being cover or, or, or being terrain uh, and hit you on the counter charge. And obviously you, you, for the, for your, if you have the faster stuff, you know, you, you got to be smart about the terrain, right? You don't want your knights ending up in difficult terrain. If you can help it. Magic artifacts. I know we really didn't talk a lot about them, but is there any killer combos you got to have for me? I, I man, I, I really don't take a lot of magic artifacts. I want more bodies, more unit strength, more war engines. I don't know. What do you guys think? So for, for me, yes, uh, only on particular units and only when it kind of changes the way that unit functions. So old Caterpillar was great on Knights. That's gone now. <laughs> so J-Boots. Uh, J-Boots allows you to be used that offensively or use that positionally. And then the one thing we didn't bring up on the General on a Winged Beast is they don't have the ability to take Indomitable Will. So waiver mitigation for those. So basically, as much waiver mitigation as you can get. Staying Stone or Chalice of Wrath or something. Right, the Stainstone. So like Stainstone, uh, Stubborn, and Fury are, are great combinations there. So it, it, little things like that that kind of make your hand-to-hand pieces a little bit more dependable or like the Knights or uh, Beast Cab that allow them to go and deal with terrain better. I miss Caterpillar. Uh, please bring it back. I hate that change. 
<laughs> and uh other than that uh blade of slashing is great on generals love blade of slashing and mesa crushing or hero uh for a nice little uh five point upgrade to try to make you a little bit more dependable those are yeah. those are great not uh more bodies please oh uh brew of strength on foot guard with defense five is a underrated choice that's a that's a it's a good choice because you get the well, benefit of both and to be fair if i'm taking cavalry i'm gonna take stuff on those units probably like helm of the drunken ram and probably brew of strength just to just to make sure I got a little extra punch because I you need something to kill those high defense stuff uh, and two giants aren't going to be enough. I actually have a lot of points in artifacts. Um, I've got a hundred points in artifacts in this list. I'm gonna be showing in a minute, which is I think opposite of the way I would normally play it. But just because this is a interesting list, but yeah, normally I don't take a lot of artifacts. But I think that they can make those good units better. But like you're not taking Brew Sharpness on Shield Wall or anything like that. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about some strategies for playing against different kinds of uh, army archetypes. Uh, if you're playing a melee army, what do you guys do? Uh, layer and uh, shoot uh, as they're coming across and counter punch. Um, that that that's the name of the game there for me. Shoot the stuff that's really going to do the maximum damage. You shoot the stuff with the most attacks uh, with the best melee stat. Yeah. Soul Reaver, they got to die first. <laughs> if I'm playing against melee, I'm happy I'm not playing against shooting. I uh, I counter punch. I let them attack my weak stuff and then I hit with my good stuff and I, I play my game because playing against melee is how I want to be playing my army. What about against shooting armies, Jason? And you have a lot of experience against playing against this. This is true. Uh, so generally what I've found is the way on the list I'll show, um, I have more... 24 plus range shooting than my opponent does generally. So I, I try to maximize that and out trade. So get my opponent to move if they don't have like steady aim, make sure that I can set up right to where my shooting is in cover and doesn't have to move preferably if I can get that position on the board, uh, even if it requires me to move turn one, something like that. And then um, the the faster stuff in the list um, generally hides <laughs> and uh, tries to work towards achieving, achieving the objective. So uh, yeah, if, if you're facing shooting, I can generally hold my own pretty well with most. Uh, and then I just, it, it's positional game with the other stuff. Again, shooting for me, I, I want to close the distance as quickly as possible with taking as few casualties as possible. I just accept I'm probably going to use some unit, lose some units before I get in uh, and just de deploying. I think a lot of it comes down to deploying smartly and out deploying your opponent who's playing shooting and using terrain to your advantage if you're in a melee thing. Um, I, I just I just know it's going to be an uphill battle and I just hope things are going to go my way. Against elite armies, what do you guys think, Jason? Yay. <laughs> right, because you, you've got stuff to take elite, elite stuff off, right? Right, right. The, the, the shooty hordes that I've got with the bowmen, they're great for it because generally the bowmen are going to require two units, hitting them unhindered, to kill them just like the shield wall or just like the foot guard. So they, they work as good as the more expensive infantry hordes, but they're cheaper and they can shoot a little on the way in. So, so yay. <laughs> and then my positional pieces get even better because there's not as much stuff stopping me from moving it up the board quickly and, you know, catching flanks and things. I second Jason. Uh, I literally built my kingdoms of men army because I noticed that in the mountain reach meta, there was a lot of elite builds. That's generally the preference of my meta and my spear phalanx. Um, list was uh extraordinarily uh well supervised to like that uh, against that alpha strike list uh and i would be very happy every time i saw a, a very elite list and on the flip side horde armies i'm not a fan i don't like playing horde armies because they just they're 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 their garbage is cheaper than our garbage it ditto the tricky thing for me uh well let, let's go with the the you know if you're the southeast with jeff o'neill and the goblins 
it's hard to work through all that stuff because generally their defense is about the same as, you know, the more elite stuff it, or they've got just a lower defense, but so much more nerve. And, and you got to work through those front ranks to really get the juicy stuff that's doing the damage in the back. It's tougher. If I'm playing against trash in our meta, it's most likely uh, Jeff's equivalent, Travis Tim. Yep. And uh, if I'm playing against Travis, I just accept that I'm going to take the L. <laughs> if I'm playing against uh, somebody else who's playing trash, I, I, I generally just try to out-trade them. Generally, my infantry trades pretty well with Goblin Rabble. Uh, and I just and I have a like I just know that um, I can kill enough of their unit strength and hopefully they're going to be slower at killing my unit strength. I expect to grind them. Well, here's a question that I've got: When you win the roll, are you going first or second? It depends. I always go first. Me too. So it it, it does depend on the matchup. If if my opponent's playing like some Glade Stalkers or something like that, and he's kind of put them out there, then yeah, I do want to go first. If my opponent is a little bit slower, like an infantry build or something like that, and I'm going to have plenty of time and I just need to kind of wither them as they come, I'll go second and then try to take, especially in like an objective game, the advantage of, well, you can't win, blast me off. Or I get to fly 20 nimble onto objectives uh, at the end of the game and you can't do anything about it. So it's it's a little bit of a trade-off. Yeah, it's sort of like you take your shooting into account and then you also take the scenario play into account. I'm not gonna lie. I think it's. I think legitimately, it's been like two years since I've won a roll and decided to go second. <laughs> Most of the time, they have stuff that can reach out and get to the war engines and stuff. Like they can, they can get to us quickly. So I always mm-hmm. just want that extra turn of shooting. I mean, there's something to be said with going second if you have a lot of bowmen, mm-hmm. because when you start, if you take the first turn, you can't shoot anything. I like being able to dick thing, dictate things, and I think generally having first turn gives you the ability to kind of dictate a lot of things more easily. Mm-hmm. They can, definitely. I like my opponent reacting to me rather than reversing. I, I, I don't like being the reactionary. So, allies. I don't like them. I don't use them. But do you guys use them? Not taking allies. Get out of here with that stuff. Red book. No more allies. Uh, I wouldn't take them unless I'm, like, actually trying to do, like, Masters stuff and just trying for degeneracy, like, Mind Screeches or Siege Breakers or whatever. I, I didn't take them in my Masters list. Um, they just didn't synergize as well with the other units. So it, it just, it didn't work out. You know, uh, the, the very inspiring is nice and the, the cheap stuff's nice or the medium, medium cheap stuff that we've got is nice. So yeah, I, I haven't. I will say because we are neutral, we are at an advantage to take allies mm-hmm. and make, take, like take advantage of that. And I think that if, I think that there's probably, um, I, I am not the type of player to play Kings of War to like break the meta and stuff like that. Um, so I think that probably if you were like, I am going to build the most optimal list using Kingdoms of Men and utilizing allies, there's probably a hyper-optimized list that includes ally selection. Some of our best units would be better in other armies. <laughs> you know, there's there's other armies that have deficiencies, but... Uh... I think having Bowman, like, I, I think if you wanted, like, a wizard or, like, a general on Winged Beast, I've seen somebody take a Bowman, a Bowman Horde, and then, like, a wizard and a cannon in a shooting list as allies before. So, uh, yeah. Is this army new player friendly? No. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind, it's like the Blood Bowl equivalent of halflings, right? Like, you yeah. know, you're going to have to play smart and because there's no room for error. New player friendly from a modeling perspective, if yeah. you're a historicals player. And I think that casually you can have a lot of fun with this army. But I think if you're coming to a tournament and you're using Kingdoms of Men in your first tournament, I think you're probably going to struggle. 
Well, Syndrome Stor- Storheim says, I have been told by a longtime player that when playing Kingdoms of Men, you can't make you cannot make any mistakes since you don't have tricks to bail you out. So my question is, what kind of list would you suggest to a Kingdoms of Men noob? Either someone completely new to the game or someone that is new to the army but has but has played before. Whatever Jason's list is. <laughs> yes. Take take the medium stuff and you know focus a lot on heroes. Uh, especially scoring heroes and then yeah you need shooting and you need some hand-to-hand and just don't take the expensive stuff basically and obviously michael you answer the question why should a new player consider fielding the army because it looks cool yeah if you're a historical player and you got a historical army and you want to and you want to like jump in it's great like the thing is is i have become a more competitive player recently and i've been doing well at tournaments i actually won my first best general earlier this year but that being said, I'm going to the tournaments because tournaments are great environments. And if you have a historical Roman army or ancients or whatever you got, and you're like a tournament nearby me, like go, like, like don't be discouraged because oh, yeah. you only have kingdoms of men stuff. You can go and you can lose all of your games and you're still going to have a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Like some of the best tournaments I've been to is the ones where I've gone like one and four, because then I'm at a bottom table playing Lance Hatcher and it's you, great. Let's be honest. This is an army. You don't win big. And you may not lose big, right? Like, like no. it's an army that you can stay in it. You know, if you play smart and delay some of the, delay them getting into your lines, get your shooting to go off. It's I got third place at a tournament in Iowa with Kingdoms of Men going uh, three and two because both of my losses were small, small losses. I did end up having one big win at that tournament, but my losses were like, they're basically draws. Well, now is the time that we've all been waiting for. Jason, Britt. Please share with us your amazing <laughs> Kingdoms of Men all comers list. I gotta take I gotta take notes. Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't know how amazing it is. It's it's it can be tricky and it it, it can work well and then it can fall flat on its face sometimes. Uh, just just to the point that we we're making earlier. Uh, if you do, exactly. <laughs> just be ready for it. If you miss deploy or something like that, you're in for a world of hurt. Uh, as we've alluded to, I start off with bowmen. I've got three hordes of bowmen, one regiment of bowmen. I then move on to some hand-to-hand elements. Uh, so this is the the units I'm using to do some unlocks uh, that can also be a little bit more focused on hand-to-hand. In this version, I've got two hordes of beast cav. One is fly speed 10 with indomitable will and helm of drunken ram. So like a basically dracons. <laughs> it's the kingdoms of men dracons. And then I've got another one that is the other option, uh, Game Thunder 1 and Vicious, uh, Indomitable Will, and I give it boots. I then move on to the artillery. I've got three pieces of siege artillery, and then I get on to the fun stuff, which is the heroes. To start off with, I've got three wizards. All three are mounted. All three trade out Fireball for Lightning Bolt, and then I flavor them a little bit differently. Uh, you can kind of pick and choose here. Uh, Windblast is good for late game scoring and stuff, but w- what I've chosen to go, on with, go with is something to try to help me out against greater air elementals. Um, so start off with, I've got Conjurer, Staff, and Bane Chan on one to you know help boost some of that hand-to-hand if I, I need to you know break through Defense 6, something like that. The other two, the, or one of them has uh, Hex. Yep, didn't have the points for it. Uh, if I did, uh, one of the changes I would make is add Hex to the third one. So uh, having some flexible Hex casters to, to try to stop that surge. And then to cap everything off, I've got three Generals on Wing Beast, as you do. So yeah, that, that's my 2300 point list right there. How many bowmen do you have again? Three hordes, one regiment. It's a decline in bowmen hordes from what I was using at Masters. I took off, instead of running four siege artillery, or four artillery and um, three hordes and three regiments of bowmen, I knocked that down. I, I found I was the shooting was plenty good, but 
I wanted a little, a, a few more, a little bit more oomph in hand to hand. And that uh, third general on wing beast is is definitely where it's at versus a hero. I'm glad I selected the list I did because I had a list that was scarily similar to what you just said. <laughs> I'll send it to you off the air because it's like okay. it's it's a little different, but it was like it was so similar. So I'm glad I built the one I did because we were we were basically same train of thought there. Yeah, and and you know this isn't like a hard and fast. You have to take this. You know the the beast calf. You can change those out for night regiments, um, and you know change around the items there. Take those down. Now you got like you know an extra hundred points by a piece of chaff. There's some more items on. Uh, get another artillery. There's there's a lot of flex there, but generally, infantry to do your unlocks, and I like about you know seven unlocks, so uh, three hordes and like a regiment or two there. A uh, couple unlocks from uh, some hand to hand focus faster units. Um, at least three siege ar- artillery, maybe more, uh, and then three wizards, three uh, generals on wing beast, and you know change points around as as you see fit. I'm actually very intrigued by the um, the beast cab uh, that's not flying because I almost never would take them without it. But it's it's an interesting it's an interesting option with the rest of what you have because they 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 can kind of give you that speed threat at a discount. Yeah, and they hit a little harder than the knights. They don't quite have the range, but they hit a little harder. And with J boots, they've got some terrain mitigation. So one one of the things you can do with this list, bowmen. Hand to hand, as good as they shoot. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Bowmen should be advancing, and uh, a lot of people will look at the list and be like, "Well, what's your chaff? Well, it's bowmen. I'll throw the bowmen out front. They don't always have to shoot. If I need to make advances somewhere, throw those and march them forward. And then uh, my cav and my uh, generals are circling around that, and the bowmen are just moving forward, taking ground with the threat of if you hit them with something, then you know the bees cav and everything else can come in and smack you back. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, no sweet list like we said. Very similar to stuff I was I was thinking about, but yeah, um, I've got my list uh, up here ready as well. To start us off, I've got a regiment of pole arm block, which was just for an unlock. Two hordes of foot guard with indomitable will, like you do. One of them has the helm of the drunken ram, because I know it seems like a, a little bit of a weird um, option choice, but the, I found that they're often because of how I lair it. Often they are getting the charge; they are going to get the benefit of that thunderous charge. If in further testing, I feel like they don't, I might take that item off and replace it with something else. And then the reason why I feel like they're getting the charge a lot is because I have five regiments of militia mob to kind of flood the board uh, a little bit there. I have two hordes of beast cav. Uh, They both have indomitable will. One has brew of strength to make them that true hammer unit. And then one has um, Jesse's boots. Uh, And then I have two... Uh, wizards on Pegasi with uh, Bane Chant and Lightning Bolt, the Lightning Bolt Exchange. Um, one of them has the Inspiring Talisman just because I had some extra points. Um, and then I had three generals on Wigan Beast like you do, um, one with Blade of Slashing. Uh, and I call this army uh, Air Raid Offense. Interesting, yeah. So the basic theory of it is everything is layered behind the Militia Mob regiments and the Polearm Block. The Polearm Block, you can honestly exchange the Polearm Block for Shield Wall too just because I just needed one more unlock for that extra wizard. Um, Everything in the army scores, and the Beast Cav are exceptionally good at flying over those dumb, slow militia mob to hit things if I see opportunities to. Um, And my line will kind of move slowly and advance up while my generals hunt for flanks and rears, while my uh, Beast Cav can kind of go in and pop the things that I think they can pop safely while my militia mob gum things up. So it uses a lot of layering. It's also um, 15 drops and 32 unit strength. Those Militia Mob are going to get blendered for the most part. 
but yeah, the, the the weakness of this list, I feel like, is is pretty obvious. Where it's like, if it's it's hard to go against that like massive shooting list, but against combined arm shooting, I found in my light testing, it actually does okay. Because okay, they're popping off your militia mobs. They can't really see your foot guards, and they're going to be getting cover shots against your um, beast cav. And they've got the indomitable will, and you can hide your beast cav pretty effectively. So it's 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 been decent. I haven't played a ton. I haven't played a ton with it, but it's been it's been interesting. Um, and I I feel like it's a list with no war engines, and it's uh, all melee list. So it gives an option for somebody who doesn't want to do the uh, shooting route. Yeah, that's a lot of unit strength. <laughs> it's deceptive because the militia mob, uh, the militia mob are not going to be there at the end of the game. But like, like you might be able to survive some. But the thing is, they kill through them. And those those foot guard those foot guard will be there. Mm, yeah. Let's say you're playing against a pure melee army. They're going to hate those militia mob. But you can play them in such a way that if you're spread out enough, things can't get into your foot guard, but your foot guard can get into them after you charge them and your beast cav can kind of hop over and do that. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good list. Yeah. It's, it's a nice multi-line uh, that front, you know, disposable line and the, the counter punch behind. Yeah. It folds a little bit with weight of shots, but it survives combined arm shooting decently well. All right. Well, here's mine. My, mine is, I'm sure you guys are going to laugh at it. Uh, to be fair, I have been playing the Monarch two regiment list uh, with some, with some shooting for a long time. And I've, I've, Drop the monarch. So this is what I've got. I've got a shield wall, a horde of shield wall. I've got a horde of spear phalanx that's been upgraded to uh, pikes. I've got a horde of bowmen with fire oil. You never know. Hey, I, yeah. I play against a lot of regen. Give me a little piercing. I've got two regiments of knights, uh, one with Helm of the Drunken Ram and one with Blessing of the Gods. Now I can upgrade the Blessing of the Gods to Brew of Strength by dropping, because I have a general on a wing beast with Meat of Madness. I can drop the Meat of Madness, and if I decide I could give give them brew a strength, which is probably the better choice. I do like the 21 charge uh, on, yeah. on the wing beast. Uh, and then I've got three siege artillery. Uh, I've got a ballista. I have a cannon. I have two giants, always with Slayer. I have an army standard bearer on foot with Bane Chant. I have the captain mounted. And like I said, I have a general on wing beast. That's it. So it's, you know, it's not, it's not very, I mean, it's not very grind. It's got 20 unit strength and mm-hmm. uh, 15 drops. It's, you know, as a newer player, Rob, it's a pretty good list for you for your first list you built. That's right. Well, to be <laughs> fair, it's 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 really I I really am. It's got more more shooting than I would normally take. But I've been playing a lot against Force of Nature, and it's pissing me off. So this was my answer. It's also yeah. a hobby army because your army looks beautiful. Like oh, thank your, you. Your halflings yeah. are great. Like I, I like your ogres too. Um, your ogres are painted nicely, but your your halfling army is like really good it shows an advancement in painting over the years i think i also noticed that when you said siege artillery you almost said siege breakers well it's a it's a it's a habit right yeah. like well you think six siege breakers we played at shiloh slaughter last year did i have six i don't think i had six five did i have six yeah well i'm sorry so rob how, how have you found the artillery and, and what's your idea for using it like to keep it alive and like get the most out of it bouncing around between not having a cannon and having a second ballista and then that frees up 40 more points for stuff mm-hmm. siege artillery three of those all the time because you have a lot of intervening stuff i can hide those behind my my height to infantry blocks and i can sh- i play against a lot of guys with like play a lot of missile dwarves to be fair so defense okay. six height four you have no problem drawing line of sight over your own infantry. And then the ballistas are just like cheap shooting. Uh, they're cheap <laughs> enough that I don't mind shooting against chaff, you know, and it's, you know, defense three, defense four. I'm going to do some wounds, which is great. Uh, and they're, you know, even if they're hitting cover, they're still only going to be hitting on uh, fives. 
honestly, I was riding the Monarch and two regiments of knights. They were all fully equipped. And now I'm two regiments of knights, a mounted captain, and two giants. That's that's a bad mamma jamma right there. You oh, put yeah. them all together and you shove it forward. Now, yeah. you can't just shove it forward. I probably would need some more chaff in this list if I play against certain armies. But man, I tell you what, rally on the knights is great because I don't I didn't take no indomitable on this list, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I got headstrong. But man, the giants. Nineteen twenty one nerve. Oh that's a lot. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, but I wavered you. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I have fury. fury yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Giants out front is just like super thick chaff and be like, what you going to do? <laughs> you know? The 50 mil giants. I wish I wish we had 50 mil giants. Yeah. If we did, they would suck like the bone giants, I think. The bone giants, they, they uh, I mean, I know they're surgical, but. Yeah. Honestly, with three generals on Winged Beast, I would take three giants. If they were 190 points on 50 mils, yeah. I'd take them. Even if they were even if they were not great, I'd still take them. To answer Jason's question, though, I, I think one of the things I would have to do really is I don't have enough models painted, but I need more of the flyers. I need some lightning bolt Pegasus spam. Yep. I need some more generals on Winged Beast, right? And what would I cut? I'd probably downgrade the spear phalanx, honestly. Yep. Just take another shield wall or something cheap. It, it'll hold not as long, but... They're not there to do any damage. Yeah, I, I mean, I've tried spear phalanx with uh, ha- uh, hammer of measured force, and that's scary to some people. But I don't know; they still die in like three, two, three turns. I agree with a lot of the people who say that hammer of measured force is a trap. On the spear phalanx, yeah, it just it makes them more expensive. They're already two hundred thirty points, right? You don't need uh, items on them. You don't. You don't, do you like, don't need counter charge. Let's take a look at Tom Annis's list: two regiments of bowmen, three hordes. Two hordes of beast cavalry, both with indomitable will, one with uh, boots of striding, and both with fly. Three siege artillery, three heroes mounted with indomitable will, because as you said, Jason, the best 70 points in gaming. Two heroes on Pegasus, now that's interesting, and two generals on winged beast for a total of 2,300 points, 23 unit strength, and 17 drops. That's the problem with my list. There's a lot of non-score. I mean, there's like seven units that don't score. So that's why it's only 20 unit strength. Yeah, it, it, it that's actually kind of scarily close to the, the list I'm running. Mm. Great, <laughs> um, great minds think alike. I guess, yeah, it's, it's oh, wow. Yeah, and, and that's part of the problem, I think, with um, the Kingdoms of Men when you do the combined arms. You're a little bit more expensive than like the super cheap stuff. And those individuals and war machines eat up points and don't score in it. Yeah, I, I've generally gone the, the unit strength route, but yeah, that... Those three heroes and all that definitely sounds like it uh, It can cause some problems. Yeah, Tom Annis is a great list builder. He's, he's an okay player, but a great list builder. <laughs> I, I think it's very telling that, like, again, like I, with list building, I, I came up with something very similar to it. That's not the list I shared because I wanted to do something a little bit different that I still thought was competitive. But I think that if you're looking at actually building, like, a, a tournament list and you're wanting to compete – Looking at a list like Tom's and like Jason's list is something you want to do. If you're wanting to, if you're wanting to not do archers, I think looking at something like my list is a good good option. No. Yeah, and, and I'll say it's something telling that everybody ends up or the three lists that we're talking about that are similar. You can't go 100% shooting on that list. You don't go 100% hand to hand. You go about 50% dedicated, a little bit faster than infantry. So like have hand to hand, and then about 50% dedicated shooting. And the two work together. Yeah, I agree. Like if I was building this list, if I was building this list without the intent purpose of making it like different, I, I it would be it would be 50 50. No. It'd be combined arms. And honestly, it's it's a 
combined arms is, I think, the most, in my opinion, the most fun style to play in Kings of War, which makes Kingdoms of Men a great, fun option to play. Jason, what's your final thoughts? I think it kind of comes back to, you know, you need utility pieces and most of your stuff can't just fill one role. It's got to fill multiple roles. Don't overspend on any one unit. <laughs> and, and with those, you know, 50%, I, I, I generally do about 50% shooting units more slanted towards shooting, 50% more slanted towards hand-to-hand and try some different combinations out. One thing in particular that Kingdoms of Men can do with those utility pieces, and, and this is, I think, the key to it, especially with the shooting, you ha- all your shooting has to overlap. So pick about two-thirds of the board that's best for the siege artillery or your combination of artillery that you choose or other shooting units uh, and have them kind of zone out that area. Um, pick an area that may be a little bit more open or has some clear approaches that you can kind of take advantage of. And then your hand-to-hand just squishes together on about maybe a third of the board that you choose that's a little bit more compact and harder to deal with uh, for shooting. And they just floods that zone. And, and that that's the way I've, I've found it to work uh, pretty well. Uh, and then just, you know, try to make your shooting units and uh, the, the, the zone out part of the board uh, cost as dearly as possible for your opponent, both in time, uh, so turns of, you know, how long it takes them to chew through that stuff uh, and how much damage you can do to them. And then try to, you know, push your stuff on that advancement third that you, you chose as, as best as possible. Uh, and, and, and that's the game, <laughs> you know. I think that you got to play, you got to play this army is very finesse. You got to pick, you got to pick your battles too. Matchups are important. You got to make sure you're not getting things in the wrong spot. Yep. You'll die quickly. If your things aren't in the right spot, you got to figure out when do you, as we talked about earlier, it being a gambler's army. I, I, a lot of times, especially with your um, important pieces, like your generals on winged beast, you got to pick your engagements. Um, I made this observation to uh, Adam at masters where I'm like, Every game I've won, my three generals, at least two of my three generals are alive. And every game I've lost, even if I have a lot of other units alive, my generals are probably dead because they're what's taking things off. You need to have those pieces. You need to know when you've got to throw them away. But you also have to be able to yeah. be able to take you like trade trade wisely. <laughs> and that's where I where I'm still learning, right? When I give a piece away, I, I don't always make them pay for it, right? Like that's that's mm. the, the trick. Is you gotta like all right, you can give this up, but what you get in return needs to be a better value, you know, be more than what you gave up. Sometimes you're throwing something away because you made a mistake or like something went their way and you're like, I, I need to I need to protect that. And it mm-hmm. doesn't lead to good results. So uh, exactly like y'all have been saying with your hand to hand and especially those generals in the accompanying faster units, um, this is not an alpha strike army. Tar- charging turn three at the earliest and that should be a minority of times. Later, 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 delay, delay, delay. Get, get those generals. Turn four and back. Yes, those generals need to be at the optimal position of, you know, starting that flank with the, the units uh, that can't fly or that aren't nimble like that, making your opponent face them. And then those generals hit the flanks and they just kind of encroach in where your opponent hopefully has no option but to give you a flank. That That's hard to set up, but uh, that that's what you've got to do with Kingdoms of Men to, to really get the gears uh, rolling well. It's hard to set up, but very satisfying when it works. When I win with the Kingdoms of Men army, I think I have more fun winning with Kingdoms of Men than I do with some other armies. Agreed. Like that that game at Masters with Dustin, I got a flank on one of his uh, um, Ice Elementals uh, do, doing exactly that. And I didn't charge until like, I think it was turn four. And then I Snake Eyes it two turns in a row. <laughs> I've got a picture on my phone of a front charge of uh, General on Winged Beast where I rolled seven ones with it. 
Oh man. It was a front charge. So I like, I wasn't planning on killing the thing anyway, but I was also like, I was also like, yeah, good job, buddy. Them's the breaks. <laughs> I do dice things. Well, it's been, th- thanks guys for coming on. It's been awesome. I've learned a lot about kingdoms of men and hopefully the listeners have uh, enjoyed this. So I really appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having us on Rob. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, with that, uh, that's going to do us tonight. And until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.